This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. So excited about the use of this uh, soundboard, and uh, Ethan is not happy with me. And this is the Out of Bounds Podcast. Uh, I hope everybody's having a good week, having a good weekend, whatever. A um, bunch of you reached out about the gear episode from last week, uh, so I appreciate that. That was a good one. Um, I really enjoy doing those. Gear is like kind of what got me into doing this thing in the first place, so I am, uh, I'm always excited to continue uh, to do that. Uh, we've got some more of those coming up for next year's gear previews uh, over the course of the next few weeks. But uh, today we have a triple header, um, which tends to do really well, especially when you got guests like we have today. Uh, we have Friedel Cody, uh, Todd Heath from Bomb Snow uh, Magazine, and two-time Olympic gold medalist David Wise, maybe even three-time, uh, coming up soon. Um, great. All around, all three interviews are uh, what I would consider and what the kids would call bangers. Uh, big fan of all three. Uh, there are th- three very different interviews. Uh, if you're looking for, like, insider, like, hangout, shoot the shit kind of stuff, that's kind of what me and Fried will do. Uh, Todd and I kind of talk about a little bit a little bit about everything. Uh, the industry, we talk about making a magazine, uh, and then we talk about some really personal stuff. We talk about... Uh, his mom's suicide, which this is the first time that he's talked about um, on record. And I uh, I kind of talk a little bit about the stuff that I'm going through, um, which, uh, yeah, that stuff is tough to talk about sometimes. And I, uh, I really applaud Todd for talking about that because it's it's hard, but he's turned it into something positive. And I, I'm uh, that's something I respect wholeheartedly um and then we have david wise uh, david wise kind of talks mindset he talks going into his third olympic games uh and kind of being an underdog um a little bit in this year's games he's uh he's uh, he's the he's the man i uh i couldn't be more grateful that he spent the time um and that one was a great interview as well um so uh a lot going on a lot going on this week there's I mean, I feel like there's always a lot going on. And then we have, uh, oh, I don't even want to tell you, kind of, we have awesome interviews coming up over the next couple weeks. Uh, we'll be at Outdoor Retailer uh, all next week. So if you're in Colorado at Outdoor Retailer, hit me up. Uh, let's chat. Let's, uh, let's hang out. Let's uh, make the connect. Or even if you want to go skiing while we're in Colorado, uh, Ethan, Adam X, and I will all be there. We'll, we're all planning on going skiing. We're there Sunday night through Friday night. So... Hit us up, come hang out with us, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it a good time. It's going to be a different show than in normal years, but it's uh, it's going to be a good one nonetheless. So, come see us, Outdoor Retailer 2022. I forgot what year it was for a second. Um, in addition to that, we have a show sponsor for today. Actually, we have a few, so uh, buckle up, as they say. Um, first and foremost... Uh, we have Burn Helmets. Burn has been a sponsor of the show for a little while now. They jump back on this season, um, and it's uh, it's been going really well. Their helmets are awesome. Their fit is awesome. 
They've redone a bunch of stuff uh, in terms of design, in terms of tactics. And let me tell you, new social media guy, as good as it gets. Current figures it out and like kind of is getting the vibe of the younger generation, which I feel like Burn had in the 2000s and then they lost it for a while. But now, shout out to Mickey, they figured this whole thing out. Like it's uh, it's really rad. And the helmets fit fantastic, um, especially if you got a big head. I have never had a large that fit my head well until I got my new Watts. It's uh, I'm a big fan. 10 out of 10 on the Watts, without a doubt. Um, so you can go to www.burnhelmets.com and use promo code OUTOF15 and get 15% off on your helmet purchase. Get it now. Go get a helmet. Go buy a new helmet. Um, and be protected. Be safe, you know? Helmets are important. So um, burnhelmets.com and use promo code OUTOF15. Uh, and if you need recommendations on style helmet or fit or how big my head is exactly, uh, we can have that conversation later. Um, we also have Woodchuck Cider. Uh, Woodchuck Hard Cider has been a sponsor of the podcast for the season, and they are uh, they're killing it. I mean, they, they have all kinds of great, great new flavors of hard cider. Um, they have everything from a pear seco to a mimosa to there's a green apple one, too, that I haven't tried, which is like crazy. The amber is like you want your traditional cider. I uh, There's so many. The sangria. Sangria comes in the best can art, I think, that they're, that I've seen. Um, in a while it's very cute it's very like pretty and put together well and I don't know I just like it Um, and obviously tastes good so um, check out www.woodchuck.com and let us let them know that we sent you Um, that's really all you have to do you can get hard cider delivered to your door so do that Um, without further ado well dude I always say this and then it's always further ado Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up uh especially in the realm of uh, the video side of things, uh, the YouTube side of things. we got a lot coming, uh, and I can't share it just yet, but it's going to be a game changer. Uh, nobody else in skiing is doing this, um, so it's uh, it's cool. Excited to share. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you get the opportunity, and I'll stop rambling right now, and you can listen to first Friedel Cody. All right, Friedel, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself. I'd like to know what your DIN setting is, and uh, we can go from there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, what up? My name is Friedel Cody. I'm um, a ski and snowboard cinematographer, editor, director, um, writer, producer, uh, (laughs) and I have been involved with Level 1 since... 2003 and most recently uh, i've been making a project with parker white through level one called nothing which is a trilogy and was born and raised in stowe vermont and i'm currently living they're splitting time between bozeman montana and uh maple falls washington so cool yeah very sick oh that enough you didn't answer the den setting question um Snowboards don't have dins. <laughs> Are you snowboarding mostly? Mostly, yeah. That's I, awesome. uh, good for you. I like. <laughs> I was just reading. So I was reading a powder article and was talking about how you were like skiing and pin bindings and mm. fucking uh, like not in the same kit as everybody else. Like, I, you know what article it is? It's <laughs> yeah. and it's uh. So I was curious, like what what that is, and the din setting question I think is going to have to be a staple on this show because it's uh, I, I'm curious and it's uh. 
No, I like it. <laughs> it's an, it's an ego flex, I think, for so many people that uh, it's nice to see who is and who isn't about it. Yeah, um, I, I, dude, I'm the least gearhead person ever. Um, really? I, yeah, it's kind of. I don't know if that's a surprise to you or not, but um, kind of. I, I used to. I just like always had a lot of hand-me-down gear over the years, and. To, until quite recently, actually, when I've, I've started to get on the gravy train of product, which is like amazing, but I'm like also, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm still like, not, I'm not a newbie, obviously, but I'm still like, like everyone's like, oh, like what, what's your like, where do you mount your bindings? I'm like, I don't know. I just take it to the <laughs> shop and just like put it where it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I probably have a higher din setting just because I always carrying a lot of weight on my pack. So I just got yeah. those those look 18s mounted. Those things are beasts. So I don't think yeah. I want to pop out of those. Um, what do you mean you're just getting on the gravy train? So so filmers don't get hooked up the same way that the athletes do. In... Uh, they do, actually. I mean, traditionally, that's how a lot of media people get paid. But um, <laughs> fuck that. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah, it is. Fuck that until you actually have to pay for it yourself. And you're like, damn. People yeah, I guess both is what I want. Like, I guess I got to be careful because people are going to stop giving me shit. And I'm going to be like, never mind. Well, never speaking mind. of pin bindings, that was the first time I did buy bindings in a while. And I was like, oh, shit, that's what that's what these things cost. Uh, <laughs> well, I, like, I didn't get into AT for so long because no ski companies used to not give any of that stuff away. Cause right. they weren't really like marketing it and, and the, the markup or like the price was so high and it was always like a side. Like I remember when marker had before the, um, Kingpin, it was like the, uh, help me out here. What, what was Duke? the, yeah, the Duke. And yeah. all he was always like, Oh, you basically have to pay for those. So, um, Weird. but yeah, I got into Kingpins. That's, but that's what I was skiing on with, a julie for that article on mammoth but that was dude that's my go-to travel setup because it's so light i was rocking a pair of forefront ravens with yeah like um with uh the kingpins and then i had the la sportiva boots and that was my ultralight setup and i was like this is the shit because you can just i was not like i was carrying camera gear and tripods and right. a traveling bag like the lighter your ski gear is the better it is so that was awesome, but it's also it's pretty miserable to ski on, especially with a really heavy that's, backpack. That's what I was waiting for you to say. I was yeah. I was wondering if you had a secret that everybody no. else didn't know about, where no. like you were just fully accepting. Okay, all right, dude. There was always always survival skiing at all times. Okay. So yeah. I I have upgraded. I'm on um yeah Black Ops now, and then like the, you got the uh, nothing hookup. Yeah, and which is twofold with snowboards so okay. i guess mostly it's like the gravy train has been with on that side of things too because i now have a yeah. split board snowboard like two pairs of black ops and then touring setup and uh two power surfers so i'm like a one of these quiver like <laughs> dweeds now but which is like, stuff. it's a blessing and a curse but yeah like, it's like the the industry's kind of gross a quiver right shit. there yeah, dude, that is it's dude. First of all, that look like that graphic and that logo is awesome. Like it's it's amazing. I I think it couldn't be more perfect for what you guys are doing. Yeah, 
So I don't know who made it, Park, but Park, Parker Parker made it. He nailed it with this yeah. one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Is. Yeah, that's uh it's one of the weird things in the ski industry is like gear is especially like at this kind of level, whether you're media or athlete or whatever, it's like it's so like cyclical. Like you just get new gear every season and then you move it on. Like that's that's kind of just how it goes. And that's how it's been for me at least. That's how it's been. Like I know that's how it is for athletes, and I know that's how it is for a lot of people in industry it's like the gear itself is not nearly as important but to everybody else listening and that wants to be part of the industry you're like the gear is amazing like give it to me give it to me give it to me well yeah no i i I have i it's almost out of like not wanting to ask for stuff like just always be like oh can they have this new boots or whatever but i had a like a pair um a pair of lengths that Dinastar star guy had given me like in 2010 <laughs> or something and then those things were so clapped out that nobody would mount them so it was <laughs> like oh i'll just get like i had to go up it was in the spring and i was like oh i'll just whatever i'll, I'll just go to the secondhand store and buy a pair of boots so i did that i've got a huge heavy pair of debellos didn't even think about it i was just like oh yeah 27.5 boom bought them for 100 bucks at a second hand shop and then brought him up to Whistler. This is like two years ago for the J I was at the JP Memorial. I had never skied to them. Never even like, I don't even think I'd put them on if I had there is really quick. And they were so, they were like the, the liners were obviously molded to someone else's foot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, dude, I was, I was dying. I've never been so miserable on, on like in a pair of a setup ever. Like it was, I was like, Oh my fucking god and then i went and swapped those boots out like swapped the liners out but uh that's i've been running some pretty ratchet setups for sure but i went to the like the following season we were at a big rosy shoot um at the beginning of 2020 and those guys were like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) they're like they're like, at least you got the right liners. Cause I had, yeah. it was just the worst pair of shells and I had the laying liners like slipped in there. And I, I was like, can you, can you guys hook up one of these like fresh pairs of Rossi boots? He's like, yeah, we, we make, and it's like a no brainer. We, we make a new pair. We make many <laughs> pairs every day. Like we could get you cooked. So anyway. Yeah. It's a complete no brainer. What was being at that JP Memorial? Like, like that's gotta be insane. Yeah. That, well, the first year they did it at in Rikskransen in northern Sweden, and I had I had been there a few times, but I wasn't there for that. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool that they did it again, and then they did it in Whistler. And both times, uh, we were in. We have been spending springs historically in in the Whistler area, Whistler Pemberton area. So, um, both times it it was like please line up with like a, a, a non-filming day um, mm. because the, the sunny days are so limited there that you'd be really gnarly to build, burn a day just hanging out yeah basically instead of like being productive or whatever right but uh it worked out great because that first year with the quarter pipe parker just like un- unleashed it on that thing and it was yeah that's like the image i have in my head yeah yeah like the helmet orange coat Mm-hmm. I made a little a little edit from that, and it was like I don't know everything about it. We were so I get so sick of that like Groundhog Day of 
backcountry snowmobiling and all this stuff that like when all of a sudden we were at a ski resort and uh hitting a like a quarter pipe and it was like it felt old school style that small quarter pipe nothing death defined and uh dude he just it just unlocked something with with <laughs> p white that I was, it was so fun but the next year was also awesome um and it, it brought a lot of, of old heads kind of into the yeah back into the mix like mike abrams from freeze magazine they yeah. ran a trivia night and like dude the ski trivia was it's like i thought it had like trivia but no this this is like deep cuts on stuff are you good are you good at ski trivia normally like if you if because so, i'm terrible at it like and i feel like i should be good at it like i don't know i'm around it all the time you think you're good at, but i don't know well, this, this was his history i should say more okay. than historical trivia so it was like the the dawn of new school trivia so you know jp yeah. eau claire area era new canadian air force but it's like um i have a question for you if, off this trivia so have you seen the movie Propaganda by Poor Boys Productions? Uh, yes. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but yes. Uh, do you know what the opening shot is and who does it? No, I have no idea. <laughs> so no. the open, yeah. So the, this is one of these questions where you're like, whoa, deep, deep. It's deep that specific. Cut. Yes. But at the time, groundbreaking maneuver um, and a total one hit wonder. So it's Paul Cotter, the skier's name is, and he's doing a backflip onto a rail at Super Park 2000, 2000? No 2001? Yeah. I don't so even know who that is. Right. I have no recollection <laughs> of that at yeah. all. So, but this was like uh, Vinny Gagne's team. I had, like He ended up winning because that dude is an absolute student of um, ski history. But I, I – I'm not as much, but I definitely have. I, I was I was soaking it in in that era when I was you know 15, 14, 15 years old. So yeah. I have some some of that. I have some recall on that. I uh, I tend to have a poor memory in general. Like I have a good memory for people and conversations and that kind of stuff. Like I will remember whatever we talk about one on one forever, right? But as soon as we go like, okay, you you told me a number or a product or like this happened and I watched this, I I couldn't, I could just be like, I remember how I felt. It's good. I really enjoyed it or I hated it. Fuck that. But I, I don't know. I'm terrible with this kind of stuff, which Dude, maybe makes me a bad podcaster. I have no, 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 no. That makes you a better podcaster because it's, it's more about knowing people and conversations because a lot of that stuff slips out on me. Yeah. Um, and then I have just a wealth of useless information in my head that's like, hey, do you remember? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. So, yeah. That's um, funny. Yeah. Um, so, I, I got a couple questions about one, just like filming in general. I mean, how many ski films have you made at this point? Uh, how are you still enjoying yourself? How, how do you get, like, you just mentioned that like Groundhog Day feeling. How do you get through that making <laughs> ski films? Like, it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, uh, as Smash Mouth says, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> if you fucked that one up, that was, that was it. That's, that's the quote. <laughs> um, nah, I, like I made dude from just from day one, like in high school, I, w I was surrounded by a lot of talented kids and I wasn't talented in that way um 
and I had started off snowboarding and it was, and this is late nineties. And it was like, so it felt like the coolest thing ever that you could yeah. do, you know? And it, um, and then skiing like quickly, like basically unlo- unlocked that whole new area that we were talking about right behind that. And I was like, Oh, that's what all my brother and all my friends were super into. And, uh, you know, getting the first 1080s and twin tips, it was like, Whoa, that, it was, right. it was it's, like it's the coolest. Yeah. Change. It was fucking the most exciting thing ever. And it was, we were just lucky to be at the, that age when it was like so impactful, but yeah. So I started filming them immediately and then made a couple videos in high school and then, uh, linked up with Berman who was basically getting level, turning level one into a thing like outside of after he was in college. And then speaking of, we were just talking about like a scene on the East coast. Like that's when there was a scene on the East coast. Right. And, um, yeah. And then moved out West (laughs) and kept, I mean, I, I kept, uh, I did it like at first just whatever, like went moved out West and, but then it turned into a quickly, I don't know, every year just kept evolving into a, into a career with level one. So yeah it kept growing and growing and growing and yeah and then um if you had to kind of surmise what level one is how how would you do it from your perspective um well i mean level one has started to evolve but for the core identity it was a a ski film like production company that was basically um, documenting the, the, like the freestyle or new school or yeah whatever wave um, like post new school introduction or whatever. So yeah, from like the, it's a very defined era. I think that we were, where you're associated with from like, 2004 to well you could say now but like yeah right because there's not an annual film like it's or it's there and i i don't know i feel like there still kind of is because you guys are still doing nothing but um and it is different for sure and it's not like everybody involved it's it's much it's simpler in so many ways but i don't know i it's very i think that is what it is i i was just curious to know like if you had something like in your mind of like okay this is what level one is and this is what level one should have been um versus like what it gets perceived as because to me, what is your perception yeah yeah go on yeah to me it was like level one was it wasn't just the films it was everything involving films right it was the athletes it it was the one thing that kind of brought it all together in one nice little neat package and i think the films did that you could watch any one of the level one films and you could go and kind of take that same feel like you almost got the same kind of feeling out of a lot of them like same but different right if you know what i'm trying to say yeah there's a thread there's a there's like a DNA through all all of it. 
exactly and and you kind of feel it through all of it but you also like you attach yourself to this brand that is level one even though it's like at the end of the I, I have no idea other film companies and other genres right like i have no clue who makes what movie on like outside of skiing right but for some yeah. reason in skiing level one or like these groups become so important and they become so cultural yeah and yeah. For me level one is like that's my age bracket right like it's i'm kind of like yeah. tail end of that but that's when it became like in 2012 probably 2011 probably became like it's the shit right and i'm just like i'm ordering every dvd that's ever made and i'm watching every yeah. single one like yeah. five times. you know it's mm -hmm. that's kind of where it ends up being i think to somebody that's in my age bracket so i, I don't know yeah well what what was your first uh ski movie that you watched in general and then what was your first <sighs> level one movie or what had the first impact on you the first one that had uh the first level one one was for sure i feel like it was real time but it might have been pleasures i don't know which one came first like i'm not good at dates um i'm super good with dates because these define my like 20 i'm sure <laughs> well um so real time was 2007 but it's also numerical based yeah. on starting at 2000 going up okay so uh real time is 2007 and pleasure was 2016 so very different very different but yeah so I would say real time was the first one. I think the first one that I ever connected with first ski movie in general that I ever really connected with was either claim or reasons. And mm -hmm. I think it was because of the way that they sold it and it was like sold to shops more. So I just ended up watching it on repeat at the shop thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands and thousands of times and i just remember like i don't even know who was screaming but i just remember like wolverine like at the end of the fucking and i don't even know which one it's from but like i have certain bits from those movies stuck in my head but yeah. you know real time was kind of the one from level one that i was like okay like this is the shit this is this is it for me where so it's uh is there one in particular that stands out to you that you're like okay if i had to show somebody my work and this is i kind of hate these questions but like if you because you did you have a whole body of work there's a ton of it but if you have to hang your hat on one what is it well the that answer the answer for that is nothing because that is kind of the 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 combination of like basically that is like more of a passion project than anything else i've made so okay. that's the answer for that but if you're talking like level one feature film history i was just talking about this with parker and i have a lot of personal bias towards my favorite just because of like movies that i had more of an impact on or whatever but i think that refresh is probably the movie that like mm. it was it was like when everyone was at peak it was like the peak form in that of that year and that era, uh, or it's not that year, but that era with like that crew, um, you know, Phil Casabon, Tom Wallace. Um, right. And <clears throat> that was also a year that like, I did everything. I filmed street, I went to Alaska, I like did and everything in between. So it was like really like super awesome year. But then the other movies, um, I think that movie def still defines level one to this day. And it's probably the most yeah. like impactful um but then the other ones i'm really proud of and really enjoy watching even to this day are um long story short um pleasure and uh sunny as well sunny was great yeah 
I, uh, so can I ask you about, and I don't know that you even were, I don't know how involved you were in this one. I would imagine involved, but what about after dark? After dark, I was involved in. Oh yeah. So um, what I feel like that one was the only one of the level movies that I can think of. And it, it doesn't seem to fit the same. Yeah. Like the cover art is very different. Like yeah. it's very like, it's, it's almost like dark feeling. I, I don't know. Yeah. Was there a thought behind that? Like, I'm asking yeah. if that happened not yesterday. So obviously, I, I don't know. No, I mean, I can probably speak to it a little. Like, it was a, a film that I think that at that point we were we had already been a, a ten years deep, or at least Berman had, and yeah. there was there was all across action sports there was like this desire to do more than just like make a a movie that had just part ski part like yeah rider after rider after rider like because we had kind of knocked that out of the park um with like we had hit like that milestone with refresh and then with right. all of by eye trip after dark was like more exploratory with oh, that what about eye trip too Holy so shit. uh yeah and then parker actually had a huge influence on that movie as well because that's like when they were really um him and chris logan started filming with us like full time um so yeah like that was just trying to f film these little like it's not cinematic by any means but it's right. like more than just ski stuff it's like those little vignettes those little yeah uh skit style things and try to have this like yeah it was a mood it was a moody thing with after dark i think that puts that's the right word. That's kind of what I was yeah. looking for. Is yeah. like it felt moody. Yeah, the intro is is like very. It is kind of dark and maybe a little bit menacing, but yeah, yeah it was like it was getting away from the high five, uh, like literal, like people giving each other high fives and right. like Skittles era of skiing too, where everyone uh, was dressed in like super <laughs> like. <laughs> ronald mcdonald outfit right, so, right. right. super um, suits and shit like that yeah yeah so it was like there was there was a definite like break off from that um yeah vibe wise but the movie has its hits and misses i think it's not the sum of its parts necessarily yeah yeah i uh no i enjoyed it and there's a lot i mean obviously there's a lot and we're not going to just talk about <laughs> those films the whole time like yeah. that's in the past like people can watch that shit buy the whole library on yeah. the fucking internet and go watch it yourself and you should if you uh fancy yourself a ski historian but um can we talk about nothing for a minute though because i do want to talk about why why you and parker kind of decided that this was a thing that you guys wanted to do and if it was planned to be three parts from the beginning or if like part one did really well and you were like okay we can make this into three things to answer that first, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have foresight to make it a trilogy necessarily, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, after level one came to kind of a, we, we decided to like have a firm, like a hard stop at 20 films with, which was 2019 with romance yep. and it was, everyone needed a reset from that. I thought the like, the cycle of ski films was uh, not only getting a little bit like not f mo 
interesting to work on, but also just like it was not relevant anymore. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's a kind of a broken model. Yeah, totally. And like we were very aware of that. Like, um, but it was, it is kind of like a cog that you get onto and you have to like jump off. Like Berman's even said before, he's like, I don't, he's like, I, if there wasn't more voices saying we need to just like pivot or whatever, then he might be still on it, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I needed like, I was not interested in doing that anymore personally. And like Parker and I had been discussing, like he had also filmed so many video parts Right. And it's like, if you get, you know, the, the old model is like you get, you know, the skateboard video model, which is like you get your ender or your opener. And if you hit those, then you kind of, you did it. Yeah, that was the whole, um, yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're like, he is, has had very intimate relationships with his sponsors being 686 and Rosignol skis and they were very supportive of whatever i mean they were supportive when he did um the big picture but after level one we we were like this is what we're gonna make um it was inspired by power surf powder surfing and just doing something slightly outside of just filming you know the list of hammers that was needed to make that three minute video part so yeah. which is dude like i mean it just everything about it. I I have always like wanted to dip my feet back into like not being just tied to skiing because that's cool and all. And I, that's been a huge part of my life, but I've like always been, you know, partial snowboarder and uh, like l love the aesthetics of it. So um, I, I like, and when I was, you know, going back to when I was 16 years old making videos in high school, I filmed skiers and snowboarders and it was not a big thing, but those worlds are so segregated that once we were just doing it on our own terms, we could do whatever we wanted. So yeah, um, that, that, that was a huge inspiration for that for sure. So. Do you, do you take, when you're watching and looking at skiers and snowboarders, do you take influence from skiing and, or from snowboarding and from skateboarding? Because I feel like that's not talked about nearly enough. Um, <laughs> like the kind of influences that, I don't know, skate, skating and snowboarding. I, I read a quote from you, I think in that same article about talking about how you look for skiers that have that, like, I don't know, they have that kind of same flow that you get on a snowboard. Yeah. Yes, for sure. That's, I stand by that quote. So you stand by uh, that quote. I'm going to quote this a lot because there's a lot of hammers on there and there's one more that I'm going to use. It's fucking good. Um, and it's very pessimistic and I like, uh, <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. So I, uh, and I, I too fancy myself a pessimist. So, um, well, I don't I know what you do, but no, I, I, it's something I, you know, it's that, that demon you have to battle with all the time. I think I, I see it in you as well. Um, <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's like being an optimistic pessimist. And it's not the same as being a realist. It's like, okay, because <laughs> I, I don't like to be a realist either. I mean, realists are just like probably always like, well, it's like the, the way the world is. Like, yeah, they're fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can literally like wake up in, in the morning and like make yourself be happy about the day, right? So, yeah, um, which is part delusion, which is what being a 
optimist is and that's great that's amazing you have to do that to find good and happiness i think but um but yeah you could get <laughs> it's like so easy just to get so bummed out on stuff that yeah oh yeah um, especially now like yeah. with everything going on in the world if you like spend too much time on your phone like if i no. i i go through days and i have days where it's like a seven hour phone day i'm gonna look at my and i'm like what the fuck did i just do with my life and i don't even remember where i got and then i'm complaining about not having time and i have no time with it but like somehow i spent seven hours like twiddling my thumbs and making dumb instagram comments like oh, I, I don't know. yeah guilty guilty too man i'm it's, yeah it's fucked and it's uh <laughs> but that's the world that we live in is this thing where like everybody's so hyper connected all the time but then we were in this sport that is so not connected and like mm. having no cell phone service is a regularity and like being in the middle of nowhere is a regularity and like your phone being dead for days at a time and not responding is like what people do in ski like it's just it's yeah. fine like that's part of it but the real world is this totally different thing. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's fun to be hyper online. Like you can just be <laughs> like, just you be know, a fucking idiot everywhere. Like I, I actually do. I enjoy that too. I really, I, do. you clearly do. I mean, like <laughs> it's like, if you're, if you're always sharing stuff and like putting yeah. stuff out there. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're just aware, like there's a whole new language like there's yeah. <laughs> like meme culture and all that shit so oh, but uh, like and it, dude, like there is some amazing parts of that so i'm, I'm certainly not going to knock that but yeah you can you just you talk if you're if you're like spending half of your waking life just immersed in that yeah like no wonder you're not accomplishing anything it's <laughs> fucked it's so fucked and it's like i <clears throat> that whole like I don't know it's funny because i hate it but then i do it all the time because you yeah. have that like instant gratification where like people like this people clicked on it people shared it it's like we're, we're growing we're making things happen but at the same time you're like oh this is all trash i'm just making trash all day long <laughs> dude i mean you just have to be aware of like what you have to definitely check yourself and yeah we have way too much input and if you're trying to make shit you can't have too much input because you will your brain is so full of input that you can't be creative it's just it's mm. like one of the things like where boredom creates creativity and yeah. like thank god my parents they fully like didn't we didn't have a tv growing up and i'm not like saying i'm like special for that but it definitely it it helped me probably develop more of a sense of like i don't know uh, almost just imagination or something you know yeah but um that being said man when i like first got a tv i was like this is amazing <laughs> like, what <laughs> like there is so much awesome entertainment out there and like i'm involved i make entertainment as do you so it's yeah. like you have to be you have to know your medium man you have to and you know as the world progresses and the modern the modern outlet is all forms of internet so you have to you have to yeah. be like you have to speak that language if you want to play you know it's really important to diversify and i think it's also really important to check yourself like that's yeah. the thing that is i'm i'm good at checking myself because i hate myself most of the time so it's <laughs> it's really easy like people are always like people do tell me this often where it's like okay yeah you you you've been able to like mitigate the way that you do the, and i'm just like no i just don't like myself very much so it's easy to be like this is fucking shitty 
and this is what it is and we're just going to live with it because this i have to i have to do it another day so that's actually a good maybe a good question for you like how do you what do you do with a film because that's something that can't be shitty to the outside eye it it like almost has to be dialed I, like for people to watch it and for people to really give a shit about it and i think you do a good job at that like th- nothing for example is beautiful like it's it's like it is clean the music is right it's fucking like it's spot on so and i think i don't know who picked the music did you pick the music uh in the first nothing not in nothing new but that was majority of parker's influence i fixed some of the music for it okay Um, it's but that's it's great like the complete project for both of them is like it's beautiful like it's it's uh it feels like a completed piece so how do you get to that point like how do you how do you make yourself get to that point of feeling like you've completed something where you're like this is done like i'm done with this project (laughs) well there's there's a saying i've recently learned that's like um better done than perfect so that's something I think like that definitely has been like, there's always been a deadline, right? Like I've always made something right. every year and eventually you just have to put it out with nothing. We had this like gift of free time where there was this, right. where everything, the whole world stopped and like, yeah, we were, living in this little house in glacier washington and we did a little bit of riding but for i had like this i've had something i've never had and may never have again and that is six weeks where i could focus put my entire focus into this baby you know this creation mm-hmm. so i did that in this like it and i I'm I'm already like oh that that was something special, <laughs> and yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that that factored into how that turned out because that was a very lucid. Is that the right word? Period. Period for me. Yeah, right. I was just yeah. like in yeah. it, in it, and like had very little else. Um, there was not. There was no like pressure to go ski or film more. There was no. There were, and there was no pressure to do anything else. So um, it was kind of magic. So, but also it was magic going in because we we knew what we wanted to make there and we had a vision for it, which is super crucial. Yeah. And like, for instance, Japan was like, well, you're not going to film a, a, that's like the, in my mind, like if you rolling a camera in Hokkaido, Japan, like you are essentially documenting this, like this beautiful world and the snow culture there is very pure and has, is, 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 it's got a very strong identity, especially with board sports. And that was a must. And that shaped the aesthetic of nothing for sure. Yeah, because that was a, we film. We went there just to film a pow surf section, pretty much. What What is it about pow surfing that has everybody so fucking like? Everybody, every one of my friends, excluding me, has gotten a new pow surf. Like everybody's on a pow surfer now, and they won't shut the fuck up about it. And I'm like, 
but you watch people go do it and they're having the best fucking time ever. So, well, uh, maybe you can speak to that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself, but like it, when we tried it out, I was, I, I can remember like the day I first did it, I was in Whistler at, uh, you know who Mason Michon is? He's a, yeah, I do. I yeah. do. Um, he's an awesome, Jesus, an awesome dude, but he, he, uh, there's like always <clears throat> actually, actually go back to sunny year. I was in Parker and Wiley Miller and Josh Bibby and I were in interior BC and we were riding with these guides that were kind of guiding us. Um, and that's the birthplace of like what they called snowboarding, which is just riding on a snowboard without bindings. But, um, the dude, I just remember taking a run down with skis in the, the, you know, big, old growth forest with some pillows and stuff. And this guy was on a no board behind me and he was absolutely mobbing. And I could, I was, my mind was blown. I was like, <laughs> Whoa, you can like, this is more than just a toy. Like you can do this. So fast forward like six or seven years, I'm in Whistler and um, I was at this teepee that Mason, Michonne and Rory Bushfield had set up yeah. in the backcountry, And we were just, they were, we were just no boarding this little, you know, clear-cut cut block or pow surfing should i say because there's a slight difference but um was, i tried it out and it was like this euphoria because i don't know we have it so just built in like what skiing is or what snowboarding is and you always have to be like really i don't know like sick or something and this is like dumbing all of that down completely where you're getting that like you're getting feelings that you probably haven't felt since you're a little kid. Um, yeah. And that's what, that's like, that's like the key to happiness, man. Yeah. <laughs> like if you can just keep those feelings coming like that, because I think we're all just pretty callous to like what, what skiing, you know, is or what it feels like. And it's harder to get those uh, <laughs> happy, fun feelings. So that was like, it just felt like so liberating that you could take such a little slope and make it so like fun again. Um, that's, that's another nice thing about it too. So, yeah, but yeah, like, I think that's the magic there. It's it, it just it like literally is the most free feeling thing when you're doing it because you're not strapped in. So it has this like weird, dangerous element to it, but you're still in control and it, you're not, in any sort of boot or high back or anything you're just floating on this board it's free that's freedom <laughs> fuck dude <laughs> i'm such a piece of shit that i'm like i i don't i like haven't wanted to go buy one because everybody else is like it's so much fun you have to go get it, one go do i it. know it feels trendy now sure. like it's trendy i don't want to do it yeah, like, yeah. like i'm some fucking cool guy but, but you know you don't have to do it, man. Like, if you're having fun doing whatever, don't. I'm not having it. fun. I'm having a bad time, dude. <laughs> well, in that case. I should go about, yeah. yeah. I but, Well, the thing is, is, like, I'm limited to how much I can ski, right? It's like, it, yeah. it's, you work in the industry, and that actually means you ski less. Like, yeah, especially yeah. on this yeah. side. Like, yeah. uh, sooner than later, I'll be done with the retail side. And, uh, I, like, I'll have more time to do the fun side of it. But at this point in my life, it's like, my days are super limited, right? I can I, get I fight for those days, right? Like I like it, yeah. it's raining. It was fucking freezing rain the other day while I was touring up at 5 a.m. 
so I could get some runs in before work. You know, like that's the kind of shit that I have to do to make sure that I get the runs in. So to me, I'm like, if I'm going to go do that, I need to really have fun and I don't want to suck at it. Like I haven't snowboarded in 10 years because I'm afraid that if I get back to snowboarding, I'm going to be so shitty and I'm going to waste a good day. Like, and it's that waste a good day thought that, that kills me every time. Dude, I can fully relate, man. I, I work very full weeks in the summer and I'm like fully work. Like I have like the weekends or that's such a precious time where it's like, yeah. you basically have one day to sleep in and one day for like any sort of leisure activities. And yeah. it's like, that's why I don't mountain bike. Cause I'm like, everyone's like, Oh dude, you should get into mountain bike. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You get should. Oh, it's I'm fun. not, no, I'm not adding anything that ends with like an ING to my weekend. Oh. Like I got enough ings, you know? Like, yeah, I, I like, get it. I get it. It's fun like, though. It's fucking fun. Like it really is. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, you should get one. <laughs> I know everyone says that, but again, it's like, I have, maybe I have a day and it's like, all of a sudden I don't get enough time to do what I already want to do anyway with that day. So I, yeah. that's what you're saying about skiing. So yeah, I, I get it for sure. But yeah, if you ever get a chance to try it, like everyone thinks it's going to be super hard and it's, it's very intuitive, I think. It's um, like setting. Yeah, just you just it's just all about like you can just again it's all feeling like you're floating. So it seems little... like people are kind of taking some nods from that and putting it into from that and from surfboards, obviously, and putting it in skis more and more now. Like they're taking those shapes and bringing yeah. it in skiing, and definitely bringing it in snowboarding. Yeah, which you can do anything if the powder is deep enough like right you can ride on a piece of plywood or whatever like yeah, but that's valid. there's only so much you can do to have it perform on like hard slopes or whatever but speaking of the the other equivalent is like snow skating on like a raised deck like a bi-deck about that yeah dude that changes east coast riding too because you again it's it's like it adds a little bit of danger that shit's hard it hurts <laughs> it hurts that shit's hard as fuck so Jay Peak allows it. Um, allows snow skating? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Okay. Go up, yeah. And I highly recommend it. They have a little, like, skier cross course you can do. No shit. Is, I have no idea this dude, was a thing. It takes, like, you're riding up, like, the triple, like, the basic, like, beginner triple. And that run, you would never touch that run on skis. And that run on a snow skate is, like, I have ex I am the best oh. rider. I have conquered danger. <laughs> I'm making me want to buy shit, dog. You're on. It's like low angle banked, like a super mighty my banked skier cross, and you're like on a snow skate slashing out. Like, <sighs> woo! <laughs> here's here's a fucked up one for you. How about snow biking? Have you snow biked? No, yet? no, no, dude. All right, you want to feel like a fucking athlete. Uh, you want to feel like the best athlete that's ever lived, get on a snow bike. And it's like, especially if you've ridden a bike before it, we, we did it last year. Mountain Creek had us out to go just ride snow bikes, to go ride snow goes for the day. And it's immediately like, I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, this is crushing my ego to do this. Like I'm a nerd. Like I, I can't do this. I, I'm not going to be able to, like, I, I'm not going to have a good time. I'm going to be falling all over the place on this fucking stupid bike. 
And then you realize that nothing bad can happen to you, no matter what you do on a snow bike. Mm. That like for a mountain like Mountain Creek, where it's like not a ton of elevation, trails are like medium, same kind of situation where it's like wouldn't really want to ski that much there. Like no offense to Mountain Creek. I think they're great. They do a lot of nice things, blah, blah, blah. I know they listen to the show, so I'm not going to be I don't want to be mean. So uh, it's but it's not my first choice in hill like i wouldn't drive three hours south to be like mountain creek is the spot i'm hitting today yeah it's not a, it's not gonna be your destination but you take a snow bike on that bitch dude like it is the craziest feeling ever you're like by the end of the day like both adam x and i were like throwing bar spins and like trying tail whips and like trying to do 360s and like sliding backwards down the hill like and like we're like passing people on black diamonds that are like skiing and having a good time and just have no idea what the fuck is going on we have no regard for human life and that's uh that's like what it's it's fun sometimes you need that day where it's like i'm just this is what i'm doing today yeah fair enough man if it's fun it's fun i i definitely see that stuff and i'm like my in, inner hater comes out i'm like no that doesn't that doesn't oh i was hating so hard i was pissed I, at the, guy yeah, was dude, like, the guy that was hyped in the rental shop i was mad at him i was like yeah. you're, you're like biking and snow doesn't mix. That's like toothpaste yeah. and orange juice. Yeah. You know, like there's no way that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. It's the thing. You should try it once. Try it yeah. once. Everybody should try it once. It's a it's a good thing. I'll try, I'm, I'll I'm try anything it twice. I'm I'm never doing it again. Um, but it's uh it is a good all right. you're <laughs> all this big sell and then you're done with it. One and done. But it was so much fun. Um I uh anyway, off of this topic, moving on. Uh I want to ask you about another quote that was in this article and it's the last one I'll ask you about. You said something to effect and I'm to the effect of and I'm sure I'm butchering it. Basically everything outside of just skiing is a leech, right? Like we are like photographers, skiing doesn't need photographers, skiing doesn't need filmmakers, they definitely don't need podcasters. And they like everything outside of it, skiing doesn't need it, right? So what did you mean when you said that? And do you still feel that way now? Because I think this was a 2018 article or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my, that's my part of my pessimist coming out for sure. But yeah. also, uh, like, it's an existential dilemma, right? Because, like, um, like I, I've just been on the, the, pro skier media entertainment side of things forever and definitely like it does feel or it has at times felt very like yeah you're not you're not like all these people think it's like so self-involved right it's so just like most of the time delivering you know it's just an ego feeding enterprise for most of the people involved in it, they're just like, I'm so sick. <laughs> like, yeah. Look yeah. At, and then you make a video and you're like, look what I did. Like, that is, I'm the best. Like, yeah. and then like, um, and that, and that is what we did. Like we, we made videos that like deliberately turn people into like stars that are like famous within a very small little niche of, a sport but still like nonetheless like you go to a premiere and it's like it feel like rock star for one and a half hours do you um, feel like most of those people feel like they're the shit though because i feel like it's pretty seldom that i talk to somebody in skiing and their ego is that big where they're like i feel like most of them are like the 
uh, like i don't know like nothing i do is shit like i i am what i am like you know i'm having a good time i'm just skiing it is what oh it is. yeah for sure that exists but and like to be good at anything you have to have that right that's yeah that's a key to like being good at something is you you have to like be i don't know for lack of a better word like cocky about what you do but like getting a shot is is not for anyone else it's just for you it's for like it feels good you know it's like a a, it's very personal and could be interpreted as very selfish but so like there is definitely like i don't know like i'm sometimes i have like certainly have had like an existential not crisis but certainly like questioning what we're even doing it's like especially when you do it and like you know i'm like try to be somewhat self-aware and it's like what what is this and i think a lot of people are like oh this is my gift to skiing or whatever and it's like no that's like that's just you're you living your best life or something yeah (laughs) like and so yeah to i guess to that point it's like um yeah like life will go on if if all of ski media was just wiped out nothing would fundamentally change um and that could be said for i guess anything ever right like most entertainment but yeah i guess to on the flip side of that like maybe though i don't know that that's true because i think what you do impacts people in a way that affects how they feel for a long time. Like I interviewed Todd um, from Bomb Snow last night. Nice, Todd. Or, like, yeah. At like, I don't know, like earlier in the day, yesterday. And he was talking about how the one thing that he hangs his hat on is that like Cy Whitling, who's like, who's an artist, yeah. um, quoted him and like referenced a 2007 Bomb Snow magazine and was like, this is why I started drawing, and this is why I started making these cartoons. Like, this is kind of what inspired me to do this more, right? So, yeah. I, I think it does make a bigger impact than just than just the skiing part. And I hate the like, it's bigger than skiing. It's it, it's more, <laughs> but it but it's true in oh, some yeah. ways. These kinds of things, when you're doing it at the level that you did it at and are doing it at, you have the ability to impact a lot of people at once right and you never know like who's watching yeah i mean so it's just how it's done and i think that there's like the old model is i think everything is evolving and and the more it evolves like i think it just gets more done in better taste a lot of the times but yeah um like you I think that we have uh, would be delusional to if we call it anything else and other entertainment, and that's not a negative thing because humans yeah. need entertainment. It like it's, it enriches our lives. So to your point on that, like I think that that either validates an existence of like wanting to just do this stuff, or uh, if anything, just like is really nice like and enjoyable and makes yeah like yeah adds a a pleasure you know yeah. point and otherwise like that's what entertainment does right it just makes people it, it, the best form of entertainment just essentially just makes feel people feel better about being alive or whatever but yeah um 
so no, I'm not like, I'm not fully like anti that. I mean, also it's a part of this word gets thrown around a lot, but like the overall, it, it, it puts culture on wax and that's what podcasting does too. Like, mm. uh, in a way that wasn't done, but before podcasting was a thing, it like, it like fully just documents pieces of like, like the cult, for lack of a better word, like I think if you the, do the right, snow sports yeah. culture, yeah. right? So yeah, and I guess that's with everything. It's like I'm always so hung up on it because, like, in the beginning when I started doing this, I was like, "Oh, podcasts are everybody should do one. It's so easy. It's so yeah. like it's it, it's brainless, right? Like it doesn't take anything. All we're doing is talking." But it, I think when they're done poorly, it makes everybody be like why the fuck does this even exist like oh that podcaster like that this thing that that it puts you in a box because you're that's the thing you're shitty at right yeah it's uh so i and i imagine it's similar with film like if you do a bad job and i always like in my head when i think about film like i think about film and then i think about gopro edits <laughs> and like those are the two yeah. extremes and i i think there's like there's that same comparison that gets made between like doing a, an interview and a podcast right it's because yeah. and i feel like when people want when they get more sophisticated they start calling them interviews as opposed to like let's do a podcast right they so don't, they don't like they think the podcast has a kind of a stink yeah, to it or maybe yeah maybe yeah. i don't know maybe like everybody thinks that you want to be joe rogan right like that's mm -hmm. that i think is what yeah. it, which is never the case i think <laughs> i think everybody just wants to be like I don't know. They want to do their own thing and it's a medium to do it in, but yep. because it's newer, you have that, you have that thing kind of, I, I don't know. Well, uh, so, so what it comes down to is um, like the two things that I've like distilled to make a, like a good video. is just, it's <sighs> got to be beautiful or interesting or some combination of the two. Okay. And, like if it's not either of those things, like it just, and interesting and beautiful are objective for sure, but um, <clears throat> are subjective. One of those two, <laughs> but everyone has a different interpretations of what interesting and beauty are. But still, like if it, it has to be hit for the creator, right? Otherwise, I think that you're just putting a just waste out in content, if you will. Just yeah, that's true. Sterile, sterile content. One of my there least is. least favorite words is content because that is the most like oh, it's yeah. like filling a storage unit like is what content is or something like <laughs> but, but that's yeah and that's what people are obsessed with is more content it's content yeah. content content and it's like feed the machine like that's but, yeah but yes. where i'm the other side of that though is sometimes like i almost i i don't want to inspire anymore or anything because like there's almost too much of that. Like, yeah. If, like, um, if if you were passionate about a subject, and you share it with people via whatever medium, via if you're a skier, if you're a filmer, or if you're um, hosting a podcast, you're, it will be magnetic and it will catch on because like passionate people that's just how that works. Like passionate people are usually are, have a better, like they they can deliver their passion and it will connect with somebody. Um, 
And that can be to a fault, I think. Like, are you familiar with who uh, Steve Ranella is? Yeah. Yeah, the He's like, guy. Yeah, the meat eater guy. Yeah. So he he has reached a massive audience based not because he's like the best or something, anything like that, but he is super passionate and he can communicate really well because he's passionate about, mm. uh, in that case, hunting and fishing and, and uh, that sort of, that side of outdoor sportsman or whatever. But his brother was like, dude, like, you need to fuck off. Like you are way too passionate about this and you have grown your audience way too big and it is ruining what you are passionate about. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm like, dude, like, Oh, like, are we just poisoning the, the waters with like, you know, like how, you know, how Instagram is credited oh. with just destroying all these beautiful spots. I'm like, Oh, we're, really passionate about this and where we do it. And all of a sudden it's like, you're just part of the problem sort of. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's such a hard. That's, that's my hard, new existential dilemma. Cause that's such a thing though. It's so hard to deal with that because you're every time I find a new spot or a new zone or a new whatever. Right. And it kind of like, that's a good analogy. You're, you want to keep it to yourself cause it's beautiful and it's on. It's not even that you want it for you you want it because it is the way it is right like you find it yeah. and you're like this is it's it's yeah. perfect without anybody here like i'm lucky because yeah. i found it right it's not that i don't want anyone else here it has nothing to do with any person it's not gatekeeping it's that right. Right. i don't want anyone to ruin it right if a bunch of people who are really cool come and use it and they'd like use it in the way that like it's going to be the same always yeah great but like, who am I to go and change every spot in a way that's going to deteriorate it? Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really hard line because at the same time, I, I'm not God, like, or whatever. I don't get to decide who's cool enough or who's good enough to go to spot A or spot B. So I always struggle. Like, do you do the, like, I don't know. Brooks Curran told me that like he just ignores everybody that asks where the spot is, and like that's yeah. valid. It's his take, and some people were like, "That's gatekeeping." I'm like, I don't know if it's. I don't think it is. Like, I think it's. Well, it's, yeah, gatekeeping is, and uh, that that word is thrown around a little too liberally. I think it's just a buzzword at this point. But yeah, yeah like I, I don't, or it's localism is what it is. It's like just yeah, like you're like, I don't want intruders or something but if you've been in a mountain town before you understand that right like you understand oh. that like you're like i everything else is overrun like for yeah. example westover it's like i can't eat dinner on a friday saturday yeah. sunday no chance i'm getting dinner anywhere in town right yeah. it is not a thing yeah. you I, so i don't get to eat because everybody else is in a place that i work every single day so yeah if I have a spot, I'm hiding it from all those motherfuckers, not because I don't like them, but because I want to be able to go to the spots. Still. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's as simple as that. And, uh, I, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, we are all very good at communicating these places and like we could easily, yeah, like destroy what we love, yeah. <laughs> but we do it maybe a little bit in general. Like, I mean, I know your whole thing is like trying to, bring in and cast a wider net for skiing and snowboarding but it's sure. like and that is super 
high-minded and awesome but it's like also like like you then you then you hate the traffic and lift lines which one is it i know Somebody asked me, it's like somebody called me out on it a while ago and was like, are you inclusive or are you like saying that fuck Vale because they're offering a cheaper, right? So it's like, I, I just, I struggle with it, but my, my thing is opportunity, right? Like my thing is like, everybody deserves the opportunity to decide if they like something or not, right? Yeah. That's my biggest thing. It shouldn't be cost that deters somebody from doing that, but that's different than localism or hiding a spot. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's where I'm like the same word gets thrown out where it's like this is uh, whatever it's gatekeeping. It, it's not, though. Like, it's it's just a different thing. Gatekeeping to me is like I have all the gear and I have all the money. Fuck you. We're making it too expensive. You can't come. Yeah. Here, right. That's to me. Yeah. That's like that's gatekeeping. Right. I yeah, or being like shitty. feeling in control of yeah, fuck that shitty the, the the job, for yeah, example. Yeah, 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 right. Like the yeah. places you pay a bunch of money and you go and only you can access this zone, right? Which yeah. I, there's value to that, I guess, in some ways too. But I, yeah, you're right. It's everybody's a hypocrite in some ways. And I 100% am down with being a hypocrite because I have to be. It's like, otherwise, what am I going to do? It's like, I, I'm not happy the town gets overrun and the locals don't get to have what they want. And the people that live there and make these places work and run are actually struggling to survive on a day-to-day basis yeah just so that people can go skiing easier like that seems shitty to me too so it's like which what do you do like yeah i mean like at mount baker which we you know is like really close to my heart and our hearts like and it's like we if we love the place and won't share it like it's like we like free passes and stuff but all of a sudden maybe that leads to like how days getting tracked out even quicker and it's like yeah what have we done <laughs> yeah i don't know it, but it's yeah. it's a tough one it's a tough it's a tough line to figure out like where to draw and, and i think that's where i'm going to struggle for the next uh hundred years of my life or however long i get However long I'm here for, I will I will struggle with figuring out where that line here is. Here we are in episode 14,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If I'm doing this in fucking... Oh, God. Imagine that. I'm fucking... I can't even think about that. Um, So I, I kind of want to end on yeah. uh some, like, I don't know. Like, what, what do you have coming up? What's going on with you this season? What is the third version of nothing called um kind of talk to me about what you got going on currently so uh 2020 was nothing um and 2021 and project was called nothing new both those movies can be found on the level one youtube channel um but i guess uh part of that original thing is we were super hyped to release on youtube and just get i think that that's where it's so nice just to find things that are good like not behind any sort of fence um and so yeah those can be found on youtube um nothing new was exactly what the title says it it was a lot of ways just kind of uh rebating um the second half of the 2020 season with like the mammoth quarter pipe and and also uh a lot of inbounds um shredding in the northwest so that has that sort of 
aesthetic, I guess. And then also, real quick, I can't yeah. fucking believe that I thought that that guy was Parker White. No, oh. the fuck it, I'm never gonna get over it. I still think to this day, I've watched it a thousand times after Parker told me that. I still think that fucking guy, whoever it is, is Parker. His, his name is Brad Andrew. He's, Brad Andrew, he's, dude. Yeah, he's in the wrong. He, he's in the wrong business. He actually should be a comedian. He's. He, yeah, maybe he maybe should be a hair model. He should work like <laughs> Paul Mitchell or some shit. Like that shit's wild. Yeah, he's a photographer from Bellingham that we work pretty closely with, and he shoots with six eight six. And uh, he has never he never skied before, and he was one of these like he's from the generation of snowboarders that just shit on skiing. Um, and but he's always he he calls ski boots plastics. So he's like, <laughs> oh, you guys got your new plastics today. So he, uh, uh, yeah, he just started calling himself Parker and I don't, it was just the way his mind works. But anyway, we decided decided to film a a, a skit where he freaky Fridays into Parker's body. But, um, that's awesome that you thought that was Parker. 100%. Yeah. But. We actually, I filmed a longer version of that where he's like, I'm Parker White. I fucking got brainy plastics. My din. He also loves din, by the way, to circle yeah. back on that. Because he, he's like, Yeah, I, my dins are so tight. Fucking baby. Like, oh, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's Brad. Shout out to that guy, Brad yeah. Andrew. That guy's fucking cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, nothing, um, and nothing then so, else. So, not, nothing else actually is a really good secondary title. It's called. Every, so many people have said that. Oh, nothing else is it? No, it's called nothing more. Um, yeah, which makes sense for the yeah. ender. It's a much better name. It is the right name, by the way. I, I think. Yeah, nothing else would absolutely work, but uh, nothing, nothing more works as well. But yeah, this is our uh, yeah, like our last little piece to the equation. Because um, I think after to answer your question from before, like after we did nothing um even like brent sandor from 686 was like dude you guys can't stop here because you're just sort of starting into something yeah for lack of no pun intended but uh like you got to keep this going because i think people are we're still just trying to figure out like wait so parker skis and snowboards and whatever so um (laughs) or like you guys are also it's i don't know why it's such a bizarre concept but it's so crazy to me that people don't understand that people are able to do fucking both slidey things or like, that even you can like hang out that's how segregated the worlds are yeah, like, so, so you like fun. film it's... with snowboarders as well it's like yeah dude we're so all crazy. homies i like it's, it's so not crazy. you do the same is... thing <laughs> we're like all riding chairless up together and just going down the same mountain together yeah. but anyway um no that that's it's shocking like people have been so hard wired into thinking that it's like this vastly different, like two vastly different worlds and um, on both sides of the equation for sure. Like, yeah. Um, oh, definitely. Without, without a doubt. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, the, that third, nothing um, that'll dropping be like the fall. last dropping in the fall of 22. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's your plan. Be, uh, yeah, that's, life, that's life for the rest of this uh, winter. Yeah, it is, man. It's, it were, as soon as it stops raining. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked. Um, all right, Friedel, tell people where. Oh, can I ask you, by the way, where did your name come from? Like, that's you're the first Friedel I've ever met in my life. 
Yeah, same. Um, I my it's a German like Bavarian name. Um, okay. Austrian German. Um, Friedel. Um, <laughs> no, Are you right? not like, named it's, after anybody famous? Your parents? Yeah, well, kind of. My my mom was like, or my my dad grew up in Stowe, which was founded by Austrians. Okay. And like ski instructors, they all came from Austria and taught everyone to ski in the fifties and sixties. Um, but there was a skier named Friedel Pfeiffer. It was um, the name is spelled. I think it's F R I D L. But my mom is like, oh. My dad, he fully just stole that name, <laughs> but or adopted it. So it was a you know, sort of invented the own spelling for it, F R E E D L E. But um, I think that they were uh, gonna just name it like whatever uh, girl or boy or whatever is just gonna be Friedel. But my mom was very self conscious about it because. She didn't want me being picked on and stuff in school, which for sure I did. But I mean, I've heard every. Did you? No way. No, well, That's not not really cool. not not picked on, but just like uh, I've heard every variation of my name. Like if somebody comes at me like, "Oh, Frito Lay," I'm like, very original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, I, you know that I went. I was in. Like... I was in first grade at one point. So yes, yeah. I've heard yeah, that. Fair enough. but um yeah that uh that i was in switzerland um a couple years ago and somebody's like oh friedel like that was my grandmother's name and i was like oh (laughs) interesting cool twinsies twinsies yeah um friedel where can people find you on the internet uh on social on website like where where can people contact you find you if they want to um they can hit me up uh at friedel cody f-r-e-e-d-l-e-c-o-t-y uh on the gram or uh on the youtube your youtube is very underrated by the way <laughs> very <laughs> underrated they call yeah. them iron crosses out west um that was fucking amazing <laughs> maybe that's the video i'm most proud of yeah, <laughs> that shit is fire. Also, what the fuck? Like, how have more people not watched that? It was a, a DVD uh, extra and high five. No kidding. That shit's when... fucking amazing. <laughs> Thanks. That shit's amazing. I, I watched it like three times. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that maybe speaks to my my truest sensibility of of just like whatever making whatever out of something, but uh. Yeah, making it as entertainment as entertaining as possible, I guess. Awesome. But yeah, um, YouTube. Sick. Thanks, dude. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you, Adam. I uh, happy happy to be here, man. Cannon Mountain uh, is the place you should be skiing. They just got a bunch of new snow. Uh, go out, go ski Cannon. It's some of the steepest stuff that you can ski lift accessed in New England, um, and it's just casually steep. Oh, you want a blue? cool that blue is steeper than your local hills black for sure um and it's fun it's like it's open it's it's a different style of skiing than every other resort in new england and not to mention no crazy lift lines the place is quiet it's it's like homey you go there and you feel like you're part of ski culture like that's where ski culture lives is at cannon mountain um you can go to www.cannonmt.com to learn more uh they are located in franconia new hampshire um, which is uh, which is a beautiful place. If you've never been, hit it up. It's uh, the place is rad. 
but you know this. Canon's been a sponsor for three years now, and I think that should tell you something about Canon. Should tell you something about us, and it should tell you something about the skiing at Canon because, like, that's the only place I ever want to go skiing is at Canon. So, um, I hope you guys get out there this year. If you do get out there, hit me up. Let's go make some turns. Cool. Todd, tell people who you are. Tell right. people a little bit about yourself, and then uh, we'll go from there. Right on. Uh, thanks, Adam. Let's see. Who am I? I am just a dude trying to make a meaningful uh, <laughs> impression on people and uh, basically just creating a meaningful life, dude. That's who I am. I, I don't want to just say, like, I'm this person and I do this. I'm just trying to be a good human and fucking inspire people. That's where I'm at. Sick. I think that's amazing. I think if everybody did that, we'd be in a really good place. Again, get rid of the negativity and start uplifting others. And that's a good start, I think. Do you, before we get into what you actually do as a, as a <laughs> uh, and why you're I'm unconventional, account, dude, I, that's okay. I, are you a pessimist or an optimist? Absolutely optimist. Okay. I, cause somebody asked me if I was a pessimist or an optimist the other day. And I'm like, I, I think I lean pessimistic because like, yeah, I'm young enough where I'm like, I don't know very much. And I learn how fucked up everything is every single day, more and more and more. And right. I also, but I'm like old enough and I've been in the industry enough where I'm like, I get it. And like things can get better and I've seen things get better and improve over time. And some things have leveled out it. it so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm somewhere in between on those camps. I think anyone who says they're a, a positive person at all times is is a liar. So there's that. Okay. Um, uh, I, I feel you try that. to find the positivity in things often. Absolutely. Cup cup is seventy five to eighty percent of the time half full. How's okay. that for an answer? <laughs> there's a twenty percent where life is negative, and you know there can right. be a spiral of things. But I, I'm learning as I get older, like you just said everyone goes through that and i think it's better to be vulnerable and not hide those sort of things it's going to it's going to make everybody closer and more um i guess positive moving forward if we're if we're a little bit more honest with each other yeah no i agree and i it's funny because like i'm very open very honest about like my feelings on things i think and like the right shit here that too. i want to talk about yeah like i mean the shit that like I don't know, depression and like the hard shit to talk about. I'm always game to talk through Absolutely. because that's what helps me get through my own shit. So to me, that's going to help somebody else at some point. Always yeah. worth it to have that conversation. But on the other side, there'll be a lift line at Vail and at a Vail resort. And I'll be like, fuck everything. Everything's broken. I'm done. It's it's over. No more. So I got, yeah. it's, it's hard to find a happy medium. Well, I mean, yeah, we can leave Vail out of it, but we all know that corporate takeovers of ski resorts fucking sucks. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's you're uh, going to support local as much as you can, if you can, I guess. is. Yeah, that's my much. short end answer to that one. Yeah, I yeah, that's, I don't want to even get into it. It's we're too, not getting we're not going there, dude. It's too it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Um, um, so, Todd, tell people what what your job is, what you do. All right, there we go and that kind of thing and let's we'll roll that what way. my job is okay i make a magazine called bomb snow okay i am i am the founder i guess uh maybe flounder at times and i art directed so i design most of it um i do have other designers that help we obviously have a ton of contributors um but yeah we we started bomb snow i started bomb snow in college uh 
Damn, dude. In 2005 was when we first started Bomb Snow, and it was called Peaced Off Magazine. <laughs> That's great, yeah. though. I love great that. Great title, right? I love that. It's a great title, but try explaining that when you're on the phone trying to sell advertising. It gets it gets uh, yeah. taxing, to say the least, every time. I'm what's sure. Peaced Off Magazine? Or what's Pissed Off? That's what everyone would say. They, they kept thinking I was saying pissed. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I make a magazine. I I publish Bomb Snow. We we just started it back up. Uh, I do, yeah, two. Gosh, a year, yeah, just a little over a year ago, we we started it back up. You can thank the pandemic for that. I lost um, I lost two jobs. I have one of them back now, but I I do work in the uh, cannabis industry as well as a designer, which is kind of funny. I don't. Uh, I don't own a dispensary or anything like that, but I do make cannabis magazines. And so I do have that job back now. I, uh, so that's cool. That, that helps, uh, make bomb snow a little bit more attainable as far as, uh, you know, if we don't get as many sponsors as we'd like, we can, I can take out of the cannabis pool to help fund my passionate projects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I make magazines, man. I design magazines. And, uh, you know, my passion is to tell stories. I don't like saying tell authentic stories. It sounds cheesy and overplayed, but I just, I just like giving people something to be inspired by. I, I just like to say that, dude. I, I, I'm here to inspire motherfuckers. Yeah. It's one of the best reads like in magazines right now i mean there's there's basically there's two or three that i actually pay any attention to and yours is one that i wasn't aware of until a few months ago like i had until no we idea. brought it back yeah baby yeah like i had no idea like i i had no clue and honestly it's because yeah my age bracket and my life didn't center around magazines like it's not what i grew up on really it's like that was kind totally. of it, it wasn't what it was but yeah. talk to me a little bit about what's different with bomb snow why the magazine is resurrected other than just like it's not just covid forced it out of you like there has no to i mean obviously there was a few things that happened i mean powder shut down um rogie was an inspiration too with mountain gazette he bought you know mountain gazette as most right. people know and when that happened i was like fuck i'm i'm kind of jealous of rogie right now i want to make magazines again um and that was good so thanks mike for that uh <laughs> What else? Uh, yeah, powder shutting down the pandemic. But really, man, there was like a there was like a hole in my heart there for a while, not making it. I mean, we had stopped creating bomb snow for almost six years, I think, five or six years. And you know, it had been such a staple in my own identity more than anything for a long time. I mean, it was just something that you know we created from a high school or excuse me from a college thesis project you know and it, it kind of just went from there and it, it it blossomed into something more but really at first it was just a way for my friends and I in Montana to, to talk about the issues we wanted to talk about it wasn't it's never just been skiing or snowboarding it's always had a more of a punk rock flavor to it more of a I don't want to say anarchist that's not the right word but just a progressive kind of this is what we're thinking about kind of thing. It was nothing special, dude. I think it was just like, it's just my angst and my energy as a person is what bomb snow 
blossomed into is, is my own personal shit, but then like what my friends were doing too. Um, okay. you know, whether we were talking about politics or environmental stuff, um, you know, we first started making bomb snow when Bush was in office. So there was a little right. bit of that. Um, what else, man? Art has always been huge. I mean, I went to art school, uh, for college. Arts, I have man. an art, I have an art degree, you know what I mean? So there was always, every cover has always been art. It's yeah. always from, from day one, you know, even the back cover, I think this last issue when sweet protection bought the back cover, that was the first time ever we had, we put an advertiser on the back cover. Yeah. But I mean, um, you have to do that. Like that's like, that's part of it. I don't think you have to, but sweet protection was a good fit because they, I mean, they were sponsoring the Benchy creative film, which if you guys haven't seen their yeah. latest mixtape, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it's basically a, an ad for their film and it's supporting our friends. So it was a perfect fit. You know, it didn't feel like a real ad. It was more like, Hey, we support bomb snow and we, like what you guys are doing and we we support the athletes that you support so it, it was just a friendly it was a friendly awesome collab how do you how do you manage that then kind of balancing that advertising versus keeping the art the art because there's a certain point when there's so many ads in a magazine where you're like this is a fucking ad this whole magazine's a fucking ad and you know yeah i mean they're still existing and like there's a question of is it worth the money to take initially up front diluting <clears throat> the product that you have by just filling the thing with ads? Mm -hmm. Or do you like, I don't know. How do you find that line? I mean, we've the, our line is 80% uh, content, 20% ads and hundred percent. That's what you have. That's what you have. 100% radness. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, or should I say hundred 110%? Um, yeah. We've always gone 80, 20. There, okay. you know, it may have fluctuated a couple ads more or less, probably more like less than that, but that's been our motto since day one. And we've put a lot of the advertising in the back, the local stuff. Um, we've, we've done some ads in the front too. It, it kind of, that's a, that's a touchy subject because I don't want a ton of ads in the front. So I've always just said, Hey man, we're, we offer cheaper advertising, but it goes in the back. Right. And you're here to support what we're doing more than you're, you're supporting a piece of art rather than, you know, this is going to be seen by a hundred thousand people kind of thing. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, the people that it's like quality over quantity where the people that are viewing their ad in your magazine are like, okay, I think bomb snows rad as fuck. So I'm I think that's what it comes down to, man. They're just like, this is, this is, awesome and i believe in what these guys are doing and i right don't want this to turn into a website i hope <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I hope uh that people feel the same way when they advertise with us because it's like uh, absolutely my, my goal is always to be like all right yeah we have whatever our numbers are yeah there's bigger shows in the world for sure especially when you get into the broader market but this is a super targeted demographic. We have like right. some of the best listenership in the entire world. I think like people that actually really give a shit about the sport and where it's going. So those people actually engage with products. Those are the people right. that black companies for a long time. Those are people that create value that, or that give the value back, I guess, to the brands. So it, it's uh yeah. Quality over quantity. I, I kind of, 
am trying my best to take the same approach. It's just hard. And this is one of the questions I had for you. Yeah. Was diversification. Like, how do you make it so that you're offering enough of a diverse offering to whatever the brand that's sponsoring you mm-hmm. to make things successful, profitable, and so that it can live on for a long time? I mean, diversity is a large word. I, what do you mean by diversity? Just new stories, engaging new stories that aren't just ski well, stories or like diversifying out of our like I, that's area what I mean, of Montana. Like, well, out of your area of Montana and also yeah. like, not just the magazine itself, right? Like how do you add value yeah. beyond just the magazine? Because sometimes Absolutely. that's what you need to do. I mean, the social stuff is really important, obviously, these days. Website yeah. is like it is kind of important these days. Like there's Absolutely. more than just the magazine, I guess. Totally, I guess. dude. And and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we have a website. We have our Instagram. No, Instagram numbers aren't huge. Nobody uses Facebook anymore. Um, God. But I think, again, I think it comes down to we're we're still growing. And like you said, dude, you're what? How old are you? Twenty six. Yeah, twenty seven on Saturday, baby. Word, dude. I turn forty in next month, baby. Cheers oh, to that. <laughs> don't let the fucking shave fool you bud holy um, shit so anyways uh i think as far as diversification in different areas of things we're doing i want to get more into creating movies we've done we've i've produced a lot and we have as bomb snow and the you know axel peterson and a few other people that were doing bomb snow tv we did that for a long time and that that worked for us, you know, for an online diversification of, of showing, you know, short ski films and having that be part of the bomb snow brand. Uh, I definitely want to get more young individuals, you know, who are making ski films, uh, on the bomb snow roster for sure. And I want to keep supporting those guys like Carl Fosfed, you know, we supported his film. We supported the Benchy boys. Um, and I shouldn't say Benchy boys, the Benchy creative team <laughs> and who else, you know, the carnage and entourage, which are a couple, you know, Bozeman based, you know, so supporting younger filmmakers is a diversification. I don't know how that helps our advertisers. Um, I think, uh, I think it does though, because they you think see, it does. Yeah. I think it does because then they see you everywhere, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the one thing about advertisers that it took me a while to learn was they don't just see you just because they saw you. It doesn't mean they didn't see everything else that's going on. And it doesn't right. mean they didn't see everything you did along the way to get to the point where they were comfortable advertising. you. Right. It, it just means that they figured out, okay, this is the time. This is when I'm happy to do it. And it works that way. So I think it adds legitimacy to a brand in, in any way. Cause we're going to do, I'm, we're hopefully going to do a couple of those, in the same fashion next year where like we're supporting where you're supporting a film yeah exactly because like i'm my thought is you're now that's how i look at diversification as a media outlet right you're able to support other people's shit and that's how you grow whatever you're doing and you grow together right it's like well look man here's the answer dude i'm supporting shit because i think it's I think what they're putting out is something that needs to be supported. Just like people are supporting bomb snow because what we're putting out is something they believe feels like needs to be supported. Yeah. And, and a lot of our advertising is local. 
I, we've been branching out with, with brands, um, you know, ski resorts and that sort of thing, um, which makes sense. And regionally, have we gone big with big advertising? I don't know if we want to, man. I, I honestly, I've thought about it. Do I want to just support local brands and brands like Wonder Alpine who are doing shit, which I think is responsible as a ski company and making things in the US like Mervin Manufacturing? I've thought about making that call and saying, we only want to support ski brands that are making shit in the U S I haven't done that yet. I've thought about it plenty. Um, that's just me being, trying to be who I say I am. Right. Right. And not being a hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, Which is a lot harder to do by the way. It's harder, but it feels good, baby. It does. It does. It feels good. Like if you do something and it is authentic and it's what you are, yeah. It, it feels good immediately, no matter what the outcome is. I Look, and I, I'm not saying I always do that. None of us do, man. No, but I'm, tr- I'm, I'm working towards that, right? It's a, it's a progression. I am a total piece of shit half of the time. <laughs> half of the time I'm online preaching inclusivity and being like, uh, everything's pretty good and protect the planet. And then like, I don't know, I leave my yeah. car running for five hours, you know? So I, I don't know. It's like everybody has a little bit of that. But right. I, on the advertising side, I have a, uh, I have a huge... I don't know. It's easier to draw a line, dude, with advertising, uh, honestly, in my book. That's it? why that's why I like, well, that's why we've always, there's two reasons why we've always done local, because we started out as a free local zine, so it made sense. Right. But as we've come back and created this larger format magazine, that's, you know, it's thick, bro. It's legit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a it's lot thick. in there. There's a lot um, in there. We have to branch out and it, you know, there's larger companies that want to support these more, I, you know, bomb snow is a more regional magazine. Yes. We're all over the country with subscribers and stuff, but typically a lot of the content in the past has been regional. We are branching out from that now. Um, and because of that, we've always supported local advertisers right now moving forward, that's going to change, but we can, I feel like we can change in a way that is telling a must a message to our readers that says, Hey man, we support these brands because we appreciate what they're doing. We like the, mm-hmm. the ethos of this brand, dude. And that's why we're supporting them and they're supporting us. Cause they get it. Yeah. Is that always going to happen? No, but should we try? Fuck yeah, we should try. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. We should try. And I, I, I struggle with that a lot where it's like, yeah. do I care? Like at the end, sometimes I'm like, I, I got definitely care. involved. I, yeah, but I got other people involved. Right. So if I'm not taking the money, yeah, you got to pay the bills. Then I, maybe I can't pay somebody that I need to pay. Like I got, I mean, everybody that has a show on this network gets paid from us. So right. do I, how much do I make my own stuff impact them? Why can't the brands that you support already because of what they do and, and things are changing enough now, why can't those brands support you enough so that you wouldn't have to go to some other brands that maybe aren't? It's a great question. I should ask them this, but it is a good question. And it, it that I was posing the question. I don't know the answer. I, so in some cases, I think we're, we're in a weird scenario where it's like, we're in a growth year or cycle where it's like, We've gotten uh, yeah. X amount bigger over the course of time. The stuff you're working hard, man. You're putting out good yeah. content. 
I'm trying for sure. Definitely trying it. Some of it's working, some of it's shit, but it's like, it's the yeah. throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Like, I love that approach. It's always been my approach since probably the day I was born, but I, I wonder how much of it is like, okay. Cause you hear it a lot in the ski industry is there's not enough money. There's not enough budgets. Like athletes don't get paid enough. Uh, there's, we, we just don't have it in the budget right now is what I hear all the time yet. Well, who's saying that though? Larger companies are smaller because I feel like smaller are, companies don't say the, that as much. Smaller companies don't, but they also don't have the check. Like they're not writing the check big enough right. in order to make that happen. The bigger companies are like, I'm like, okay, but you spent 40 grand on a booth at OR or like, you know, a hundred mm. grand on a booth at o like it, but you don't have money to pay advertising that sends grassroots campaigns through right. like this is how you actually sell skis in the ski industry so right. i i don't and none of my sponsors by the way are like shafting us like we're 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 really lucky everybody we work with has been amazing i'm just saying like that conversation has been had a lot mm -hmm. it's, like, it's it's pulling teeth so i, I just right. wonder how you draw that line for yourself because you i don't know you got I, I haven't really had to draw a line. I mean, I've gotten plenty of no's from companies. And as I, as I grow older, I don't want to work with companies who don't get it. If you don't get bomb snow by now, I agree with that for I, sure. I, yeah. Sorry, man. We're not on the same team. Yeah. And that's fine. We don't need to be on the same team. I, I'm not upset about it. You're comfortable with that. Absolutely, man. I am comfortable with only supporting brands that get it. And okay. want to move and want to progress, whether it's in skiing or just life in general, dude, progressing towards a more sustainable, fucking less negative, less uh, farce media perspective in general. Yeah, because there's so much farcity and so much bullshit and we don't need to go into it. But we all know that most of the things that anyone's feeding us, this is not in the ski industry. This is just media in general you listen to that all day long and boy, oh boy, have you wasted a lot of your day with negative thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> I, like I don't, come on, dude, turn I, off your fucking TV, buddy. That's I why know. we make magazines. I know. I know. That's why I like, and that's why there's this thing called outside. Like you go outside <laughs> period, and like, there's way cooler shit that's going on that you don't have to worry about. But if you turn on the news, I like got stuck watching the news a few months ago while I was in the hospital for like, something propaganda dude and it's just bullshit you're like you're watching and you're like holy fucking shit and and in the you never feel good in the hospital they always have the two extremes playing so it's like you fox <laughs> up on tv and immediately next to it cnn and you're like what is happening the world's on fire in two different ways they want you confused dude they want the you they want everyone confused and fearful yeah i guess i i don't understand i i'm never gonna get that and i mean ski media is not like that with the exception of one brand in particular that i think is very sensationalist sensationalist and uh, and we're not going to talk about them but i uh I don't know. It, I, I don't even I, know who you're talking about, so it doesn't matter. Perfect. That's great. Then, there's, only, <laughs> there's one like media outlet that is really shitty about this kind of thing. And I don't know if they mean it or if it's... They're just... And I think some people will know... Clickbait? Referring to... It's very clickbaity. It's like, yeah. person dies in avalanche and then... Yeah. It's, he, blah, 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 and then it's like, web traffic, web traffic. And then you no, like thanks. through 20 ads to find out who died. And you're like, this is fucked yeah. up. So 
Yeah, you're looking at like celebrity photos who like whose skin looks weird and had some weird plastic yeah, surgery yeah, exactly. or who you know, knows how those, long those things industry. pop up. So, I guess one of the questions <laughs> I have for you then is who do you think in this industry, whether it's ski, snowboard, outdoors in general, who do you mm. look at as people that you're like, okay, they're doing a good job. I'd like to do stuff like them. Or are you totally like, you have tunnel I mean, like we're doing what we're doing and I know what I want for us and that's it. Look, man, I don't want to sit here and claim I know who's doing a good job and who's not. I appreciate a lot of brands who are telling a story that has to do more with just skiing and snowboarding. At the end of the day, man, if we're just talking about skiing and snowboarding, we're not progressing any sport really at all. That That's not we're a culture, man. We, we, the culture that we have as a ski community and as mountain enthusiasts, if what you will, if for lack of a better term, fucking mountain culture, mountain. we, we enjoy the outdoors, which yeah. brings a whole other arena of, of complications and things to talk about other than skiing and snowboarding that are important things to talk about. So, Patagonia talks about important things, you know, there's plenty of brands that do more than just appreciate our sport, right? Those are the brands that I like. And we've never had Patagonia as a, as a brand that supports us. Would I like that? Fuck yeah. But, you know, Wonder Alpine, they're doing things that are important and they're progressing the sport by, you know, using materials that are better than the materials of the past, right? That are more sustainable. I appreciate that kind of stuff as ski brands or snowboard brands, right? The yeah. live techs of the world. But I mean, honestly, man, I, I'm not the person to, to sit here and jive on about who's doing the best stuff because I don't know all the brands out there that are doing the best stuff. I I'd like to talk about them in bomb snow, whoever are those brands, you know, right. get at me, email me, dude, Todd at bomb snow. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Good job, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know anything. I'm a fucking designer who wants to, I want to put that kind of energy into the world. The, the stuff that people want to hear about that doesn't, that isn't just a skier or a snowboard story. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go next was what, how do you pick articles that get published in bomb snow? Because you guys are very like, there's everything there. Like there's something for everybody in outdoors in the magazine. Yeah. And I think you guys do a really good job telling the story. So how do you pick what goes where, how do you, how do you decide a story's worth running? And this is, I don't even yeah, necessarily totally. mean you specifically. I just mean as a, how a magazine functions in general. Be, I, cause yeah. I don't know. And a lot of people don't know how, how to even, I mean, we sit it. down and we talk, we sit down and we talk about it. Right. It, it helps to have a theme, which is a thing we've started. Um, okay. The last two issues have been themed, right? The first when we came back, the issue was what really matters. And that was inspired by COVID, man. Like everyone kind of went, dug deep and, and realized what was important. I think that was probably the best thing that happened during the lockdown last year or fucking almost two years ago now. Right. Um, has it really been that long? I don't even remember at this point. And, <laughs> what are we in January? It's been almost I, two years. Yeah. So... Again, like that. that that helped us all kind of dig deep within ourselves. A lot of people, you know, 
had that talk amongst themselves, uh, whether they talked about it with others or not, I think we all went a little introspective in the last year. And because of that, we, when we put out the first issue of bomb snow, after being in hibernation for five years, we, we called it what really matters. And that really kind of spurred into a magazine that really 90% of, well, I, I would say 50, 50, and, and I'd have to look at the last two magazines to really see how much ski and snowboard, you know, um, how, how much we actually talked about the ski industry, but we have always, I think, veered outside of that, whether it was art, music, photography, um, environment. I mean, that's always been a staple of bomb snow, but having a, a theme to go off of was really what is really what kind of decides what goes in the magazine. And our editor, Ethan is well-versed in a lot of outdoor pursuits. He's a surfer. He actually is more of a surfer than a, than a skier. Um, he lived on the ocean for freaking the last 20 years and moved to Bozeman like five years ago. Um, so that kind of brings in a cool diversity, having in a new editor and, um, really just, I guess, really thinking about that before we reach out to contributors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Having that talk amongst the like five people in our office, like, all right, what are we going to talk about in the next issue, man? It's always, it's always changing. It's organic for sure. Um, and we have enough contributors to reach out to. I mean, powder's gone. Can reach out to all those contributors. Yeah. There's plenty, there's plenty of freelancers out there, man. You know that. Yeah. Every, oh, everybody wants to. Everybody you know. wants freelance work and they should. I mean, I yeah. freelance work makes the world go around in a lot of ways. Yeah. But everybody's kind of an independent contractor in 2022 or whatever year. Yeah, at. it's beautiful. It's great. I've been, a, I've been an ind independent contractor since I could remember, dude. I don't know how yeah. else to do it. I'm about to start my independent contracting career. So, I mean, I think it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, great. Buddy. it's, it's, uh, it's really, it, it's interesting to see the impact that COVID had on so many people though. And, yeah. and so many things got revamped, right. And, and got brought back like this, like, I, don't know, I can't think of another great example right now, but so many things started happening again and people started really caring about stuff and more conversations started being had that were really important and, and really needed to be had because COVID happened, mm -hmm. right? The world kind of had to slow down for a minute and it kind of feels like it's been slowed down. Like it feels like it's been two years, but it also feels like it's been 10 seconds. It also feels like it's been 80 years. Like I feel like I've aged 80 years. It's been 10 seconds since the pandemic started. <laughs> But it's realistically been about two. Like I'm, I yeah, it's it's. So I'm pretty sure you were just being positive right there, Mister. I think I'm a pessimist. I don't know. And yeah, somebody asked me this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think about whether I am or I am not. But I'm I'm trying to be positive, man. I think that's a good thing. It's absolutely, uh, buddy. So many so many good things have come from this. So I guess I might as well ask, why yeah. did it stop? Why did you stop six years ago or five years ago or whatever? Yeah. Why? Um, what there was a few like reasons, man. Uh, you know, for one, I was, I had two other jobs. I was working, making hemp magazine, which is no longer, hopefully it comes back, uh, and cannabis now, uh, my mother passed, which was, Ugh. that was just 
horrific and unexpected. Um, yeah, I've I've never said this, dude. Uh, but I'll just throw it out there. She committed suicide, and that fucking oh. threw me for a whirl, bro. Oh, that's I've, awesome. ne- I've never said it publicly. So, oh, anyone that's... who wants to talk about mental health, man, I have learned so much about myself and empathy towards others since that situation <laughs> happened. And all all you can do, man, is make the best of that situation and move forward. Right. I think that's why I have, to, I have to be a positive person as much as I can or else I'll spiral out. Um, so that, that was a huge part of it, or at least why I told myself I quit making the magazine. Right. It was an, it was an excuse. It was a valid one, but that fucked me. Right. It's got to. Oh dude, dude, unexpected, unexpected. Didn't even know my mom was, was depressed. So that was like, that happened. And then I was making good money, making magazines for other people. It was easy, dude. I got comfortable. Um, I was making a good paycheck, making magazines for other people who have way more money than the ski industry. Like we're talking about weed. Right. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Like there's, and it was comfortable and I wanted to buy a house. I was able to make that happen before Bose Angeles became the shit show that it is. Um, and then, yeah, so that dude, that was probably the main reason, man, my mom passing. And then, you know, our editor at the time, Alex Bicking, who is awesome and a dear friend and was a great editor for many years. He also got a different job. And, you know, I think that kind of spurred into, Hey man, I, I got to go pursue other interests too. I can't just be in the ski world the rest of my life. So it, it had a lot to do with, mm. you know, moving, moving on in different directions and having to make money, the almighty dollar. Right. Yeah. Oh, and for then, sure. and then we almost sold it, dude. And I don't need to get into that one a ton because it was kind of a messy back and forth, but we, we almost sold. I'm thank the universe. We didn't because we're, we're making it again, but that's all I'll say about that. I don't want to, Okay. I don't want to get into that one, but we, we almost sold the magazine and I'm really glad we didn't. Yeah. And I learned a lot from that process too, man, because I had never dealt with lawyers and all that shit that happens when you try to sell a brand. I'm glad that it didn't go through. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's the best thing is like stuff like that, not working out. Oh, dude. And that's why I always say trust the universe as hard as it is to always say that. I have to always say that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I don't kudos to you, man. Like, that's a super hard thing to go through. Like, I I couldn't wish that on anybody. And I dude, nope. I've learned so much from it, though, man. I'm sure. And that's one of the things that I was going to say is like you have to take something out of that. Right. Like you have to come out of it a better person, because if you don't, what else is there? Uh, that's, yeah. that's really what that's really what it is. But I think yeah. that's also why it's like it's so important to just be like to talk about mental health. And I think that's why like these conversations have been happening more over the last two years again yeah, because of COVID, kind of because mm-hmm. people are like, I'm not fucking okay. You know, like shit is just I'm not good right now. And I mean, I've yeah. said it multiple times. Like I'm, it's I'm the best thing you can say. Time. It's like, yeah, it's like sometimes I just need to talk about it. Like sometimes it's just enough. Like you've been through enough and you, you've you had it and you're yeah. feeling like the world is collapsing. But if you don't say that out loud and it's not OK to say that out loud and you're just like, oh, just got to keep plugging along. Got to keep oh, the stigmas going. there, man. 
it, yeah, there's a, there's a huge stigma with it. It's like you're weak or you're soft or whatever if you have this going on. But there's it's no way to be more opposite than weak or soft. It, dude, exactly. It's like if you think that like I've had days where I come home and I'm like I'm bawling my eyes out on the floor of my kitchen for hours at a time. You know, it's like there's these kind of things happen to people. Like it's hey, just man. and look, look at did look good for you for saying that, man. I mean, no, and I have no problem talking about it anymore because it's like I realize you though, because that's yeah, fucking hard to say. You can't get through it without talking about it, I think. At least I can't. I mean, if mm -hmm. I don't say something, if I just bottle it up, because initially that's what it was, until yeah. I somebody actually, you know who it was? Um, I think his name's Adam Campbell. His wife died mm -hmm. in an avalanche mm -hmm. um that he triggered. So for two uh, years, right. So for the last two how, years, how do you not just get just bombarded by guilt yeah. for the rest of your life? Oh, exactly. And he's been talking about it openly. So that guy kind of made me go, okay, like I need to like actually start talking about my own shit. But sometimes it yeah. takes horrible fucking things to make a good, like to make an impact on more people than just yourself. Uh, yeah. Couldn't have said it better, man. It's, uh, it has made me more empathetic and really started so many conversations that I would never have dreamed of having with people yeah. and going deeper with people as far as emotionally. Um, yeah. And being vulnerable, it couldn't be more important than it is now. And in, in the crazy effed up world that we live in being vulnerable is so important. And again, it just comes down to listening really for me. I, realized I wasn't listening as much to others as I should have been. It, not intentionally, dude. That's my ADHD hardcore, but right. Same, it yeah. slowed me down, dude. It slowed me down. And yeah. I don't want to say it made me realize what was important because that sounds cliche. But what it did do is made me realize that there are a ton of people struggling that I had no idea were struggling because I never had the conversations that I have now with people after the horrific shit that I went through with my mom. Yeah. So that, and, and, and everyone's gone through it, dude. I'm like, that's what I'm realizing is there's all, it's like the Kevin Bacon thing. There's someone who has been through that in right. any family, in anywhere in the entire world. Yeah. And that's to me, that is a very large topic that doesn't get talked about. But like you said, it's becoming more, um, prevalent now yeah and i i mental health people say mental health yes but suicide too like is suicide such a like huge the thing shit, dude right? dick like, aspen like uh, dude don't even get me started on on homies that have done it too i mean we've all been there it sucks yeah. and how do we change that we talk about it in my mind that's the solution is one of the solutions is to talk openly about it because it makes you feel better and to listen I don't right. have a solution, but I can sit here and listen to you talk about your feelings. And that makes you feel better. And in turn, that makes me feel better. And that's right. That's awesome, man. And and that's what we want to do with Bomb Snow, too, is turn our publication into an open forum for subjects like that. Not just depression or suicide, but anything other than just skiing and snowboarding, dude, we're not just skiers or snowboarders. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's just something we do and something, yeah. yeah, something we have revolved our entire lives around. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I've been a ski bum for 20 years. Right. And it was amazing. Now I'm a dad and you know, I think about things differently.
Right. I still have to go skiing. It's my church. I, or I snowboard too, but I ski probably twice a year. If for anyone out there who doesn't know that I'm a snowboarder, goofy footer. <laughs> I just call it skiing because I grew it's up. It's the same skiing. shit. Like it's the it's same, same. shit. Like it's just not, it's different. It's way more fun. It's easier and way more fun. It's all this. You know what? Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm a terrible snowboarder, but I'm like a mediocre skier. And it's like in so many different ways, they're the same thing and they are different, but like, I hate that. Sep that separation line is, I don't even know how we got on this. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's fucking stupid to me. Look at, I was, I was back in my day, buddy. They segregated <laughs> skiers. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, that was one of the reasons I started snowboarding, man, is because I grew up on a, on a little ski hill that had a tow rope and a half pipe and skiers weren't allowed in the half pipe. Really? So, oh dude, you're young, bro. They Did didn't allow skiers in the half pipe. They didn't allow skiers in the half pipe in the nineties, brother. Oh man. I had no idea. That's yeah. I was a, I was a tow rope operator at, at Mount Brighton, Michigan back in 1998, probably. And I, I started snowboarding right around that time and never really looked back. My ski coach was also a dick. So I quit skiing because of that <laughs> as well. That's they do that a lot. Those fucking ski coaches, they do that a lot. I mean, shout out to all the ski coaches that are good. Isn't that funny though? How like someone could make a really good impression on you or just like change yeah, your whole trajectory in life because okay. of their because of their dickiness. Okay, so this is my problem. <laughs> this is actually coming kind of not full. Thanks to all the awesome teachers out there and coaches. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for real. The good ones prop. You've changed our lives for the better. You make the difference to all of the people that are starting out. <laughs> and this actually is like, it's important to talk about. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I am going to bring it up. Love it. Bozeman's busier than ever. ever. Big Sky, busier than ever. Every yeah. resort that is. Yeah, don't move here. Of Mega Pass. Nobody's moving anywhere. You can yeah. move to Hampton. I'm lonely here. Um, But I, <laughs> uh, there's a ski resort that doesn't get any snow and doesn't exist. And it rains. And it rains a lot. Um, But that has changed so much for so many people. Can I just get your thoughts on? Are you talking Mega about Pass? Bozeman's growth or mountain life, mountain growth in general, mountain towns? I'm talking about mountain towns in general, stemming from mega passes being epic icon access to the mountains. Because on one hand, if we're looking at a glass half full, really nice, yeah. cheaper pass product. But on yeah. the other hand, what we were just talking about is the kind yeah. of quality of product that you get. Right, if you're waiting hours uh. to get to the ski resort and that's your first impression of skiing. Fuck skiing. Why would you ever do that again? Right? Like, why would you ever yeah. want to be involved in the future if year one you bought this pass and all you did was wait in lines and you know have shitty experiences because your only free time is weekends and holidays and shit like that, right? When it's Are you asking my opinion on the Epic Pass right now for real? I am asking your opinion on the not just Epic in, yeah. in general. I, because yeah, Icon. I think it's yeah, Icon too. Because those are the two main ones. And I want to know. Not, I, I don't necessarily care about your opinion on them. I care about your right. your opinion on the impact of them. Uh, any corporatization and money-making scheme in the ski industry is horrible. And I, granted, yes, it's cheaper for people, but I think it's horrible for the industry as a whole. As a whole. Because I, that's not a blatant outright statement, but generalized <clears throat> statement of do i think icon and epic passes are 
moving our industry forward by because it's cheaper for people to ski? No, I don't. If you okay. want to go skiing for free, go out into the backcountry and learn your shit. Okay. Um, or go to a mom and pop. I mean, look, I'm lucky enough to have a mom and pop ski resort that's run, you know, not by a nonprofit. And that's where I go. I don't go to Big Sky hardly ever because it's way too expensive. Icon Pass or not, I'm not going there. I'm not spending 200 plus dollars to go skiing. That is absolutely asinine for any ski resort to charge that much money to go skiing. So is the Icon Pass the solution to that? No, stop charging so much for skiing and fuck your bottom line, dude. Take those CEOs from here and bring them down here and make them listen to the rest of the people that are running their resorts for them. Yeah. Okay. The problem to me is the CEO is making tens of millions of dollars and everyone else making SHIT. Yeah. Yeah. I is that is the Epic Pass and the Icon Pass, all those sales, are those going to the individuals? Come on. Who's that money going to? The CEOs? The top yeah. 1%? Probably. Do I know that for a fact? No, but it seems likely. What do you think? I uh, I think they're going. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to <laughs> CEOs. I, I don't All think. All the money, going, dude. And it's going to shareholders. You know, We wouldn't need high. Icon or Epic Passes if fucking tickets weren't $200, man. Right. That's If that's we could go very... ski for $50 in anywhere USA, make a flat rate, dude. Amen to that. Oh, I Yeah, for sure. I have a hard time. I go back and forth a little bit on this conversation because I think access is really important. And right now, I think access yeah. that is the best access for the money. It's hard to say. Yeah, but it's because those resorts, uh, dude, sorry to cut you off, but it's because no, no, no. those resorts are charging $200 for a ticket. I so know. Now I, Epic Pass is cheap. I I totally get it. I want right. they're doing the country club thing where it's like, get a membership or it's exclusive. Right. That's it. I get it. But the problem is, is you can make that value proposition for someone as epic or as icon and it seems really easy and it seems really simple it doesn't include all the disclaimers of like okay guess what half the year it's going to be really shitty and you're going to wait in lines and it's like that's why dude uh, it's I, it's I just know. like people saying recycling it's like putting it on the consumers we're going to be we're going to be exclusive we're going to be inclusive by being exclusive yeah. Does that make sense? Like we're going to be, we're going to pretend no, like yes. we're helping these people by giving them a cheap pass. The only reason you did that is because your tickets are so expensive to begin with. You had to do that. You made it make no sense to buy an individual day ticket. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just one man's opinion, dude. I don't have the answers, but yeah. Yeah. I, no I, one can afford $200 to go skiing anywhere. I mean, no, and never mind. Like, uh, it's, it's funny. Like, I was at uh, Vail a couple years ago now, and it's like I've talked about the story nauseum but it's like Kaufman was like I'm never paying Vale what they want for chicken fingers like so he's going around stealing other people's chicken fingers he's putting them like he's like waiting for them at the trash when they're when he's about to throw his chick when they're about to throw their chicken away and he's asking like 10 year olds like hey are you done with that let me let me throw it away for you. you know and he just like he collected enough chicken and french fries and cookies that were untouched and unbitten oh, for us all to eat because he's like, I don't believe in this fucking bullshit that they built where it cost $20 for three chicken fingers. You know, it's just Look, like, man, uh, people, people need to celebrate the workers, right. That are doing the jobs at the ski resorts and in the ski industry in general, 
I mean, in life in general, we're, no one is getting paid enough money to live in these mountain towns. And to me, that's the, that's the problem, whether it's inclusive, we could talk about inclusivity in the ski world. The ski world's never been inclusive, dude. It's always been, you have to have money to ski. I mean, we just know that. Unfortunately, yeah. it's the way it is. Um, yeah. Can we change number. that? Yes. By, by teaching people that skiing is rad and you don't have to do it in a resort. And that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, and it's money is like the minimum, right? Like that is like, you right. need money and you also need to be like of a certain race to even know that it's yeah. okay. Like that skiing is a thing, right. For that to be yeah. on your radar for right. it to be like a regular thing for you to do, or it needs to be within your friend group or it needs to be within your, your target area. You're within your, within driving distance for you to do right. Otherwise totally it doesn't do. make any sense. So it's already a super limited pool of people that we can pull from. And right. we always limit it more and more. And that's like, that's been the big thing that I've all like, I will fight on this until the day I die because like my dad's from Palestine. Like he's mm. like, he's fully immigrant, like started a ski shop, whole nine. Great story. Blah, blah, blah. Awesome. But the amount of like blatant racism that you get mm. when you're like that and everybody else isn't like that. Like he's, and he, I am white passing for the most part. Yeah. He is like, very dark long beard doesn't really have an accent anymore kind of does but the amount of time yeah. like they got their my parents got their mailbox blown up last week like really? probably for no other reason other than that like and if there's because they never do anything to anybody nobody knows it's right. like that shit happens on a regular fucking i'm basis. sorry to hear that man no that that's that's horrible i've never experienced shit like that as a as a freaking caucasian you know and it, it's it's yeah, horrible it's just, to hear stories like that because i can't believe they're still happening Oh, as recent as two days ago. It's it's like, there's no other reason possible. It's not like because it's not like five mailboxes got blown up on our street with right hundred people, you know, one right. and it's the yeah. obvious one. So I don't know. I uh is I, the answer to go pow surfing and take your friends pow surfing? Maybe. I mean, maybe that is the solution, <laughs> honestly. Like maybe the solution to me is making shit, making skiing about the skiing and not about the resort, right? I think yeah. that's the solution. Long term, it's like, okay, there's a hill. We can go ski that hill all day long. Like I, we have a little tow rope in Brattleboro that I kind of just discovered last week, two weeks ago or something like that. And like, that's, mm. that shit to me is the core of skiing where it's like, we can go and we'll yeah. find snow there and we're going to slide around and we're going to have a good time. It doesn't need to be a big resort. Absolutely. Think about how much fun sledding was when you were younger, dude. It was a fucking blast. I, even when now, if I shit ever. My friends, like if I, if I go sledding with my friends now, I have a ball. Like yeah. I, there's no doubt about it. And you know what? I don't care about my form on the fucking sled. I don't care about the, the sled that I brought. Uh, uh, and it's, I, uh, I, I think it's a very, it's a very strange fucking industry. Do you want you want to talk about it in the next magazine, man? Let's throw let's throw you a column. Let's do it. Sure, I'd be happy to. Like I will I will talk about it all day long. I think that this kind of stuff is is worth talking about always. I I, I think it and it needs to be heard. It's like I've talked about it a lot lately, and I hope that people yeah. aren't too sick about it. Too sick as you about should, it. man. You've been experiencing it for sure. But it's not just like I'm not talking about it. The there's a fine line to me between talking about it for clout. And talking about it because it's really fucking important to you and like it is really fucking important to me and i always want to make sure that that's like centerpiece it's like this is a thing that i will hang my hat on at the end of the day and nothing else if i do nothing else like bringing more people into skiing 
that had no idea skiing existed and you know now they love it and now they want to be a part of it and they want to go more they want to be part of this industry that is like what my whole goal is forever so that's a great goal because you being in the ski industry has changed your life and thank your your father for starting a ski uh shop you know i mean i was lucky enough to grow up at mount brighton dude like aspen extreme the beginning scenes in in aspen extreme are mount brighton 200 feet of landfill dude maybe 300 feet i can't remember the the actual vertical but you know i grew up 10 minutes away from that ski hill and if i didn't have that i probably wouldn't have devoted my entire life to you know owning a, a publication that talks mainly about mountain sports yeah what so shifting a little bit here and kind of back to the magazine what what are your goals for the upcoming i don't know do do you set individual magazine goals like okay like here we're releasing this next one we want to try to like and is it about numbers or is it about impact is it about stories Uh, that's that's one of the things i always wonder with magazines because there's so much involved in it and there's so many different things especially like with a publication like yours, like Mountain Gazette, like mm-hmm. Adventure Journal, even uh, there's just so much in. Oh, don't forget Freehub, baby. That's my, Freehub my too, homie. Totally. Yeah, dude, Freehub's the shit. Um, yeah, Brandon. Brandon's a good friend, uh, high school buddy, actually, from a long time ago, who who started Freehub. But, uh, yeah, man, I think. Um, as far as like what's next or how we how we plan each magazine is that what we're getting at um kind of well like how do you yeah how do you do you set goals for yourself and what is if you do what is the goal for the next one? Oh, dude i set goals for myself all the time do i hit those goals absolutely not i like to call them i like to call <laughs> instead of a goal list it's more like a um uh it it's an intention. I set intentions. I want to be a better person. How right. can I be a better person? By listening to Adam Jabber when he talks <laughs> and not interrupt him because of my Dude, that's <laughs> in the past. So technically, hard. I would do that. It's so hard for me too. Like I have super bad ADHD. Right it's like it, I like tear up my skin trying to not <laughs> say something sometimes. Hey, hey we, we are who we are and yeah. all we can do is try and do better. Um, that being said, my goals are to always make the last, to always make the new edition better than the last. That's okay. That's pretty straightforward. Um, lately, uh, these last couple issues, at least, the goal has been to talk about more important issues. Um, are they more important to me? Yes. Are they more important to our readers? I hope so. Do our readers like? that we're skewing away from skiing and snowboarding more than we have in the past. I fucking hope so. I don't know. I don't know if they are. So I think that's a goal of mine or an intention is to, you know, make sure that we're hitting some of those points that, you know, we typically, you typically wouldn't see in a, in a magazine that, you know, a a ski titled magazine um so there's that being more progressive um as far as goals though man like my goal again i'll just bring it back to like i want to inspire people i want to get as many contributors as i possibly can that are stoked on 
putting their words and their imagery and their artwork out into the public, whether that's just in mountain towns or wherever, man. I mean, again, if you pick up the magazine and you read something that, you know, changes your life in a way, I mean, dude, Cy Whitling, like told me straight up, dude, I think he's about around your age, isn't he? Do you know? I don't know how old he is. He's fucking cool though. He's a good guy. Yeah. Never, never knew of the kid until just recently. Obviously he's been all over the place in mountain Gazette and new schoolers and all that. And he's yeah. an amazing artist. He straight up sent me a message that was like, dude, when I read bomb snow back in like 2008 or whenever it was, you know, 10, 12 plus years ago, he's like, it changed my life. I wanted to be an artist. He, he said he read the chili Tom interview that we did. So that was probably like, 2010 cool, or something by the way that's a fucking cool message to get right he told me that man and like awesome i hope there's more people out there like that and again it's not just me I, like yeah i published the magazine but it's the people who are writing in the magazine that are creating the stories that hopefully will inspire other people man and if i can do that and just make enough money to not <laughs> lose money if i can break even and and make a few extra ducats on the ride awesome do we need more subscribers absolutely dude absolutely That's why we're doing this interview. like hopefully we you know we, get a bunch we haven't talked ones. much about the magazine but i didn't i didn't really want to talk about the magazine <laughs> yeah no but like what i mean what the thing is is like people need to get the magazine for themselves they need to hold it in their hand they need to understand what's oh, right my least yeah, favorite thing people do is they go like Here's what's in it. Here's what it's about. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't need to know that. Like, what I need to know is why people should value what you do and why they should. Well, we do. We do. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. not yeah. you specifically, but you guys, you crew, yeah. what yeah. happens at Bomb Snow, why they value that as opposed to spending money somewhere else and not necessarily on a publication, because I think that's one of the things that's really important to know is that. People spend money on all kinds of shit. It's mm. just that magazines haven't done a good enough job showing mm -hmm. a value proposition to the consumer. That's at point blank. Even Absolutely. if you are, you guys have so much value, yeah. but there's not a value proposition that's making enough sense and being presented in the right way, I think, to the mass audience. Yeah. And Tell me what, what that is. Tell me what that is. I'm I don't know. I have no <laughs> clue. If I did, I'd start a magazine fucking tomorrow. But yeah, I, I, mean, I, don't, I have no clue. But you guys have everything I think that it takes to like have like you guys have the stuff. I think people just need to know about it. Look, man, in a perfect world and what I want to do and what I, what we have as Bomb Snow uh, as a collective, what we have been trying to do is get the publication in every mom and pop ski shop in the country, ski snowboard shop. So if we can do that, man, I mean, that's what powder used to do. Yeah. We've been in Barnes and Noble. It doesn't work. They throw away half the magazines. You're lucky if you sell 20% sell through 28% yeah. is like an insane sell through. So basically every magazine that you send 70% of the magazines that you ship to Barnes and Noble get fucking tossed out. Oh. So that's ridiculous. Um, that's a way. And we still, we'll still ship 2000 magazines to Barnes and Noble, but just to get that, that diversity and distribution. Yeah. But 
I think at the end of the day, man, we need like a thousand true fans. You know, if we can, if we can get a thousand subscribers to give us, you know, 50 bucks a year, there you go, man. That's 50 grand. Yeah. And on top of that, you count advertising as well. Like that's a sustainable business. And I, I don't need to make a ton of money. I can, I just need to feel good about myself and what we're putting out. Yeah. I don't, um, and I don't even need exact numbers, but like, are you close to that goal? Is that like where you're, are you? Yeah. Yeah. We're close to that goal. We're probably at like 700, six or 700 subscribers at this point. Okay. It went down since our first issue, unfortunately, but I think that had a lot to do with the United States postal service and the amount of yeah. lost magazines that, happen but i also think um i need to be personally better and we as a brand bomb snow needs to be better about advertising what it is we're trying to sell people and that's what of, i'm yeah that's the problem I, like i'm not out there enough in people's face like dude what we do is amazing listen to me <laughs> yeah no but that's like what it takes sometimes it's like you kind of got oh, absolutely you gotta suck yourself off a little bit like it's yeah. like that's actually what needs to happen in order Look. for people to be like we get it. Like we know what you do. Now. Yeah. No one's buying anything if you don't tell them to buy it. Right. For sure. For sure. You got to let them know if you just put shit out in the void, nobody's finding it. I mean, maybe some, maybe yeah. you'll get lucky, but like, that's not, not how it works. So. Yeah. Know. So we're, we're changing up our subscription model a little bit. We're actually going to do real subscriptions it, in the past, the past two issues we've done one-offs and we did like a bomb snow box where it was like, came with a, you know, face mask and some stickers and stuff. Um, moving forward, our next issue comes out in March, March 1st. Okay. And it's the photo and art annual, the fart annual, P-H-A-R-T. And that will be included in a subscription. So you'll get three issues. Uh, I'm thinking probably around 50, 60 bucks for three issues, but it will also come with stickers and art in each issue if you're a subscriber. So that's kind of what makes it exclusive if we're talking inclusive and exclusive if that's you want to be a lot of money though i mean it's like that's not i mean may, like to yeah. not, some people it is but it's like people spend 60 bucks on bullshit yeah. all the time yeah you know three I mean? three mags for i 60. i ended up watching fucking ufc fights a lot and like I, you know i paid I, I paid like 65 i don't even know how many fights yeah. i bought last year and it's like that's 65 bucks a fight and it's totally like, it's like, well it's people like, don't idiot. people don't realize how much uh shipping costs man with a magazine that's over 13 ounces sure. or 14 ounces like our magazine is over a pound in weight that yeah. automatically if i were to ship you one magazine from us united states postal service priority mail is seven dollars and 45 cents to send one magazine dude for sure people do not know this like this is no like, and we have to put free shipping because people don't understand that and i don't want to like exclude them from wanting the magazine yeah i or like this dude's ripping us off because of fucking no, shipping. no you know? i think it's like i always i have no idea this is such a hard one for me because i've watched what's happened yeah. in the ski business over the last couple of years and even like for the big guys like the evo and backcountry and like we're a medium yeah. to larger sized retailer and mm -hmm. uh shipping like it's like 70 dollars to ship a ski yeah. where it like used to be like 25 yeah hopefully drones change that brother dude fucking get me bezos and get that motherfucker to pick shit up at the store Something. for now like i i don't understand like that it's making the cost of doing business normally expensive uh Again, yeah and 
shipping-based business. And United States Postal Service is supposed to be a service that gets paid for by our taxes. So come on. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. Um, so yeah, man, I think for, for us, like for Bomb Snow to keep doing what we're doing and to be an important, you know, community, uh, uh, I guess, an important aspect to the ski industry as a whole and a cultural platform, uh, artistic platform to pe- for people to kind of have a voice we need more people subscribing and more people getting stoked on it because we're making, I feel like we're creating something that all of our community will fucking appreciate once they see it and not enough people are seeing it. Yeah. Like we're, we're doing, we're doing, we're not doing anything insanely different than anyone else, but no, you are though. Okay. Well, maybe we are. You but you're never going to find out unless you subscribe. you got to subscribe for sure. 100%. If nothing else, if you take nothing else from this episode, it's that you should oh, subscribe. Yeah, hopefully hopefully you, you can take something from this episode, man. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. Uh, See, there's a lot. Inclusivity. There's there's a lot of the hot topics. High fives. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to high five a camera very well. Um, <laughs> So I, I want to end on kind of a positive thing here or kind of a funny thing here. Um, yeah. You told me the story about a place you were living uh, when we first, probably our first phone call, first oh, phone yeah. conversation. Um, what, what was the living situation? What, whose oh, house buddy. did you end up renting? What the fuck? Like, I still can't believe that this is a real thing. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't even think I told you the beginning of the story. No, you were like, I'm going to keep it short. And then I was like, what? I'm like pulling my hair out while I'm nothing. I, yeah, nothing I do is short. I always go on tangents, dude, but I, so we this is back in high school, actually or college. I keep saying high school. So Kaylin Coey, who runs Voke tab, if you've seen Voke tab, have you seen Voke energy tabs? No. Anyways, there it's a, it's like a Red Bull, but in a, um, like a lozenge form. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he was my roommate at the time. We were looking for a new house. And uh, like I said, this is probably in like 2006 or seven. Um, and we're on Craigslist because Facebook Marketplace didn't exist. And uh, you should erase that because I hate I hate anything that has to do with Facebook. Um, he calls this number and it just says, Brian, right? Like respond to Brian. Well, about a week before we were looking for a house, we got kicked out of our old house because there was like, they were selling it or something. I can't remember. There was, there's this thing in Bozeman where they have a, um, a bioscience lab. And if you want to make money, you like, you go there, you can like give blood or they can do like, they'll put like weird salves and different lotions on your skin and like, see if they react to your skin or whatever. And they pay you a small amount. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's called like biosciences lab. I do. Yes. I, w- I actually watched a family guy. So <laughs> on the exact topic uh, yesterday. Okay. Uh, enough. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So we're in college. We need money. And a week before we're, we're pretty much homeless at this point, or we had like a week left before we needed a new house. And my roommate, Kaylin and I realized there's this bioscience lab study that they're doing and they're going to pay you 2700 bucks for a week what? and they'll take you to montana state university the campus at msu 
and you're going to live in the dorms for a week if you get picked to be in this little survey that they're doing or their experiment. So we go in, they shave your belly, right? You didn't hear this part of the story yet. <laughs> they shave your belly. And basically, if you're the dirtiest human, you will get into the study, right? <laughs> so they shave our belly. We don't shower for a week, but we take it to the next level, dude. We go to all the ATMs and like nastiest oh, bars in God. Bozeman. And this one, this is when Bozeman was way cooler than are way dirtier than it is now, which means it was way cooler. And the dive bars were still around. But we went to this, uh, a few dive bars. The Hofbrau is one of them. And we just like rubbed like a tissue paper on the ATM and all like the Kino machines and shit. And then just rubbed it on our oh. belly. Because again, they're like the dirtiest people. They were only picking like seven of us to get they into the They told you this ahead of time? They were like the dirtiest, the dirtiest of you motherfuckers so, to get in. Dude, hadn't showered in a week. I've got like ATM scum in my belly button, dude. Totally gnarly. The day before we're supposed to go in and get retested, we go to the Wells Fargo. We're like, oh, we'll just do one more ATM swipe. Dude. <laughs> Alien goes inside. I stay at the outside ATM. He comes running out. Dude, no, they just cleaned them. Don't do it. I had literally just wiped like rubbing alcohol Oh, all over my freaking, you know, stomach that was about to get tested at the, <laughs> at the bioscience lab. So he didn't do that. So he gets in. I don't. So he's stuck in the dorms. He makes 2,700 bucks. <laughs> I am stuck waiting to try and find us a house. So now I'm, I'm on my own. I'm like, we got to find a house. I call this Craigslist number and, uh, it's, it just says, Hey, call me, you know, call Brian. Oh buddy, this is getting long winded, but <laughs> no, but it's hopefully it's funny to the listeners. Um, I call this dude, his name's Brian. He answers the phone or before he answers the phone, the, the ringtone is should have been a cowboy should have learned to rope and ride. So initially I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to get this house. This guy's like a good old Montana boy. Not that I don't love good old Montana boys, but I'm thinking we might not jive. <laughs> and he answers the phone. Tell me a little bit about yourself, cowboy. That's how he answers the phone. I, for, I'll never forget it. Tell me a little bit about yourself, cowboy. I'm like, uh, what do I say? <laughs> Hang up. What do I say? And I'm looking at my roommate at the time. She was like, I don't know what to say. She it was on speaker. She could hear it or something. I don't even know if we had, we didn't have iPhones at that point. Um, and I was like, screw it, man. I'm just going to tell this guy the truth. I was like, actually, sir, I'm a pretty liberal guy, pretty liberal Democrat. There it is. He goes, good. I don't want any bipartisanship going on in my household. So answered correctly. The questions keep getting called out. He's like, who's in the Montana legislature? Uh, luckily, I have like a, a pretty um, photographic memory. So I'm like, all the signs were up because it was like time to vote. It was like November or around the time where you're, right. you're voting. So I like could remember a couple of the names on some of the signs that I had seen. So I was like, oh, yeah uh mike judge or somebody he goes oh good i know mike judge yeah he's a friend of mine he goes he's like so did you say you're a hillary guy or an obama guy i was like oh definitely obama 
um, voted for Obama. He goes, cool. He's like, um, who did you say you voted for uh, for the Montana governor, Governor Montana? I said, oh, Brian Schweitzer all the way. He goes, oh, good, because I am Brian Schweitzer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Straight up, man. Like, answered all the questions oh, swimmingly. And he, and he looks or he, he, uh, he gets back to me. He's like, all right, well, my wife's going to be at the house tomorrow. Why don't you go there and introduce yourself, whatever. So a friend of mine at the time also needed a house. We pretend that it's just the two of us, just her and I renting this house. It was a five bedroom house. She claims she's a political scientist or a, a political, uh, she's going to school for political science. Okay. I had already told him I'm an artist. So whatever that was already, I already fucked that one up. Um, and we go there and we meet his wife and, you know, we walk around the house. It's good to go. He calls me maybe a week later. Hey Heath, I'm on the tarmac at Gallatin field. Can you be at my house in 15 minutes? I said, Brian, I'll be there in 10. <laughs> and I went to meet him, dude. He pulled up in his crown Victoria oh, and, uh, I mean, talk about old school Montana, dude. That's how Montana used to be, right? Like, go and meet your governor at the house he's renting to I, you. Yeah. It was awesome. Like, my parents didn't believe me when I told them, yeah, I'm about to rent a house from the governor oh of Montana. God. Oh. <laughs> and he, he shows up in his Crown Vic with his, like, little guy uh, assistant holding his briefcase and his dog and his bolo tie. Anyone from Montana old enough to know Brian Schweitzer, the guy was amazing. I mean, his character uh you know spoke i mean he met me at the house he didn't need to do that he could have hired someone to do that yeah uh, we walked around we walked around this five bedroom home he had a crumpled up piece of uh paper in his back pocket with you know it was like a contract he had gotten at like office max the morning of the <laughs> our little interview and we walked around and he's like looking at shit hey this uh you know, this window's broke. We'll fix that. Whatever. He goes, Todd, there's one thing on here at the end here that I think we're going to overlook, but it says right here, if you're late on rent, that's going to be $50 extra a day. He's like, are you going to be late on rent? I said, no, governor, sir. That'll never happen. And he just shook my hand. And for fuck four years, we lived in that house. I used four to send it. I used to send him bomb snows every time I send in a rent check. Fucking shit. Yeah. What a fucking flex. Sent, sent Bomb Snow magazine straight to the uh, governor's office in Helena, Montana. You got his cell phone? You got his cell phone still? Like, is he alive still? Like, I don't know this guy. At oh, all. absolutely. That's I amazing. hope he runs for president. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Fuck. So sorry for the long winded story no, there. I hope it, I hope cool, it, uh, that's fucking cool. That's fucking cool. That's, uh, that's amazing. Be more inclusive. That's if you're the governor, rent to normal people, rent to ski bums. Be, yeah, dude, I can't even four years <laughs> to a guy that was just like, I wonder if he'll hear. Yeah, it's, oh, never mind. He hears this and he's like, oh, God, does he know now? Like who you are and like what the situation I, was? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, he knows I've created bomb snow for plenty of years. I used to send it to him. Yeah, that's funny. That's we funny. used to throw parties there and the cops eventually noticed that or realized that it was his house and they would just be like, all right, guys, we know who lives here. We know who owns this place. Go inside. It's actually really nice, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. They would never bust us. They just told us to be quiet. Oh, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> dude, uh, that's perfect. I think it's a perfect way to end this. Um, where where can people find you on social? Where can people find Bomb Snow? 
people obviously now want to subscribe where can they do that how do they do that the whole the whole deal yeah go to bombsnow.com or bombsnow.com however you want to pronounce it and you can go to the store link and purchase a magazine i'll have the uh, subscription by the time this thing goes online i'll have the subscription button ready to go so you get your three mag your three issues of bomb snow for i think 50 bucks is probably fair that's probably what we'll go get after and then you know you'll get your art and your stickers at least it's not a sprinter sticker i know that's been a huge hit huge hit the sticker pack yeah. is one of my favorite parts by the way like that was great that was such a nice little addition i like open up the inside and there's a fucking bunch of great stickers in there yeah it's and it, and if you want to contribute man we're looking for artists we're looking for writers we're always looking to expand our contributors list obviously cool so email me todd t-o-double-d at bomb snow.com beautiful hopefully you guys made it this far everybody made it this far 100 percent Oh, no good. chance no chance thank you brother i appreciate it yeah man i'm glad we finally linked up on x backcountry is a sponsor of the podcast has been for a minute now that's like my theme today is like telling you how long people have been sponsors um they're great I, i'm a huge fan of the product it is a mobile or computer uh app basically that lets you access everything for backcountry terrain in north america specifically in the United States. Uh, they're getting into Canada. They're expanding, blah, 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 blah. Um, what's really cool about the app is they're constantly adding new features. It shows you already things like slope angle, weather patterns, um, basically everything going on in zones you want to know. It also shows you trailheads. It shows you uh, other people's feedback in that area. You can do things like, I don't know, say you are a big fan of Cody Townsend and the 50 Project. You can select Cody Townsend's 50 project lines uh, and see exactly what those are and go ski them. It's as simple as that. Um, Onyx Backcountry makes it super easy to do. Um, you can use promo code out of bounds. No need to do caps. No need to do anything. Just all lowercase out of bounds at onyxbackcountry.com uh, and uh, become a premium Onyx member today. Um, and for you that are out there that are like, Mr. David Wise, who's coming up next, if you're a hunter, if you're a backcountry enthusiast, if you're somebody who spends time in the outdoors, having a mapping system and a mapping partner like this in your pocket is as good as it gets. Like that is, that is the thing that you need. It's $29 for the year, 20% off brings it to like, I don't know, I'm not going to math, but like 24 bucks to have something that like can tell you where you are. Come on. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Uh, www.onxbackcountry.com um, sign up for a premium membership or just download it on your phone use promo code out of bounds save 20% cool here's Mr. David Wise David why don't you tell people who you are a little bit about yourself and then we'll kind of go from there yeah hello everyone my name is David <laughs> Wise <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm a 31 year old half pipe skier from Reno Nevada um turned pro when I, when I graduated high school, turned 18, told my old man, I'm either going to make it as a pro skier or die trying. I'm not going to let you fund my skiing anymore. And so I slept on a bunch of couches and ate a lot of ramen for the first couple of years, but, um, I've had a, a, a overwhelmingly, a surprising, I guess surprising is a better word for it. I've had a surprisingly successful career in half pipe skiing 
I've managed to win just about everything there is to win and a couple of Olympic gold medals and quite a few X Games gold medals and um, everything else. It's just been kind of a wild ride for a kid from, <laughs> like for a kid from say, Reno. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when you when you can say I've won just about everything there is to win, it's okay to be as successful as you <laughs> yeah. say you are. I think you've earned that right at this point. Um, All right. So I've got Sounds a bunch good. of questions for you. Um, one of the first things I want to talk about is uh, is Mammoth and that Grand Prix run. Um, I, I watched the run on your Instagram. Um, I just like watched the quick like highlight of it. And like, do you do you get nervous before that kind of shit? Like that's like what that's how it's when you're going to qualify officially for the U.S. Olympic team um, and go to the Olympics again. Like I mean, and go for a three peat. Is that like? Oh yeah, I mean. Certainly at certain at points throughout this season, I've felt more nerves maybe than I'm used to. I mean, it, it, it's weird to say it, but but high level competition, when you do it enough for enough years, kind of becomes like just another job, just another day at the office. But um, that all goes out the window when you're when you are you have to land this run to make the Olympic team or else you don't get to go to the Olympics which you've been working towards for four years, all your sponsors basically sponsor you because they know you're hopefully going to go to the Olympics. So there's a lot of pressure on you. Um, <clears throat> I guess I didn't really feel a lot of pressure in Mammoth because I was just feeling so comfortable that day. Um, yeah. But there were certain times, especially early in the season when I was just feeling a little bit like maybe a little on the underprepared side. I had, I had bigger tricks that I wanted to be throwing that I wasn't able to land in practice. And so then I was scrambling, trying to change my run to do something else. And, oh man, it's been a fight uh, for sure. I've, this is my third time qualifying for the Olympic team and making it this time was harder, the, twice as hard as both of the other times. So um, yeah, definitely a little bit of nerves, but you know, kind of from the beginning of the season on, um, I just had this approach that I was going to try to stay in the top four and save some of my bigger tricks for the, for the actual big O show okay. instead of, um, in the previous two Olympic qualifying cycles, I kind of came out guns blazing. Um, you know, I had new tricks that nobody else had and I just did them first contest of the year, did them, won the first qualifier. And then <clears throat> I actually had both times I, I managed to scratch out two wins uh, in the qualification event. So it was like pretty much a guaranteed lock. Like, okay, Dave's going, who else right. is going to go? Um, and just knowing myself and knowing the season that I had last year and, you know, still kind of on the tail end of recovering from this shattered femur. Um, I knew that that wasn't a great strategy for me this year because I just wasn't there. You know, I just wasn't at that like peak. I'm, I've, I feel like I'm in a good position to peak at the Olympics, but I wasn't ready to peak and do some of that gnarly stuff early in the season. So I was like, it's all right. I just got to stay in the top four Americans, every single contest between now and, you know, early January, and I will still get a spot on the team. So it was kind of a, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if I went all the way through the qualifiers and ended up having to get that fourth spot, which is kind of the coach's discretion spot meaning you didn't quite hit all the criteria to qualify for the first three spots, but we're going to send you anyways, because you've been in, in the mix for long enough or whatever. I wasn't going to be surprised if that's how the season played out, but it was really nice to get that 
second place finish in Mammoth, and all of a sudden they're like, ah, yeah, you made the team. Guess what? You get to do the Olympic team naming thing tonight. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's it. It's insane to me. It, I guess I wonder what, like you say, it's just another day at the office. And in a lot of ways, like I can see that and I believe that. It does it feel different when it's the Olympics? Like it's the it's that global stage. Like it's as big as it gets, right? And you're doing like the the types of interviews that you're doing are not like this. They're like you know NBC, like real mm -hmm. deal interviews. And people actually really give a shit about it. So in the grand scheme of the sport. So how does it feel on your end of things competing in the Olympics? I mean, now it's your third one. I don't know if you're like, you're over it. It's like, it's lost its allure, but kind of talk to me about that. No, there's like, I don't care how mentally tough you are. There is no way to disguise the fact that the Olympics is a whole different beast than anything else we do. Right. Uh, like you said, the amount of attention that's on you, the amount of people who want to talk to you who have never once cared about your sport before. Um, <laughs> it's just insane. And and if you're not careful, it can really overwhelm you. And I think that I've seen that happen with some of my younger competitors. They get they make the Olympic team and they just like completely. I don't know, they, they crumble because it's it's really tough. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 definitely a different beast, but I will say having done it twice now, it's probably going to be a little bit less daunting for me uh, than the other guys because I've done it twice. I mean, Alex and Aaron, who both qualified for the team, have also gone to the Olympics before, so um, it's not going to be anything new for them either. But <laughs> if anything I've learned from the last two Olympics, it's the ability to say no because you're a young athlete and everybody wants to talk to you and they're so excited. And it's like, Oh, I want to just hype you up and talk about your sponsors and the sport right. and everything. It's, it's hard to say no to that because you're like, well, this is the kind of opportunity that I look for all the time when it's not an Olympic year. Why don't you guys wait till next year? But guess what? They're not going to be there next year. So it's really easy to say yes to way too many things. But mm. I've learned lately that I'm just like, you know what? I'm only one man and I care more about my family than I do about my, my, a lure in the half pipe. So if it gets to the point where I'm doing too much, then I'm just going to start saying no. And um, just kind of protecting my own health, my own sanity and my family's health. Um, so that's kind of been nice this time around. I've definitely done, a, I've done a lot less appearances and interviews, probably COVID related to having yeah. less, having less stuff to do, but I'm not complaining. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's, I, I realize I am talking to someone who a has won gold twice, but is also a mental coach, right? Like, I mean, you, you're like, this is kind of what you do. You're able to put yourself in that mindset where it's like, all right, like this is what I got to do. And I got to be able to say yes and no and kind of control where my head's at. And that's got to be priority number one, I imagine. Right. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about the mental giants thing for me has been, um, I mean, some people have told me for a long time, man, you're such a mentally tough guy. How did you land that third run in Pyeongchang when your skis came off on the first two runs? Right. And, um, it's stuff that I've just learned through experience. I've been competing in half pipe for 18 years now, um, but kind of making a program for it, making a curriculum for it and putting some stuff on paper for the other athletes that I'm mentally mental strength coaching to look at kind of gave me like just something. It, it, it helped me define it. It's like, well, I have this mentality that I always use when I compete but that's just my mentality. How do I turn this into something that other people can relate to, you know? So that's been super fun. Um, 
just kind of, yeah. And, and it has, it's enabled me to communicate it with people a little bit more eloquently right. than I did before. Right. What you mentioned this year being harder significantly than the other two. What, why is it harder? I mean, I imagine coming off an injury, I, I get that part. I imagine competition is slightly different. I mean, you got Aaron Blunk, who's a fucking monster and you got Alex, who's also I'm, everybody, the field is stacked. It feels like, but yeah. is that the only reason that it feels like this is so much harder to get into this this year? Yeah, it's probably a combination of things because um, the field is the stack, the most stacked it's ever been. We got Brendan McKay, Simon D'Artois, and Noah yeah. Bowman in Canada. Uh, and then we have Nico and his brother Miguel in New Zealand. Um, you know, Nico obviously has been winning a bunch of things the last couple of years. He's a complete monster. Um, Aaron Blanc is skiing better than he ever has before, and so is Alex Ferreira. Um, it's just the field is stacked. Burke Irving is like landing tricks that yeah. just surprise me every time. It's just like the, the, the talent pool is so deep and kind of at the same time on, for the, on my side, um, like for me, one of the big things going into the last Olympics was that I had all four directions of double corks just dialed. And I still have all those tricks, but I haven't been able to put down the switch right dub consistently in competition since I broke my leg. It made my hip mobility a little bit tighter. And I, I think that that trick was like a 100% a, a effort trick before. And so then I had this catastrophic femur injury and it kind of became like 110% effort to pull it off. So I can still do it and I'm planning on doing it in, in Beijing. But um, that was like a when I started with that run on any competition day, I kind of started with an advantage. Whereas this year I haven't been doing it in competition because I just haven't felt comfortable enough yet. So I'm starting kind of even Stevens with everybody else, which just made it that much harder to, to scratch out those mm. results that I needed. Yeah. Does, does it bother you at all that it feels like the whole world cares about half pipe skiing during an Olympic year and then it feels like less people care on a non-Olympic year? Is this, is that bothersome to you at all? I talked to Kyle Smain a few weeks ago and he was kind of talking about like kind of the struggle of half pipe skiing and what kind of what that field was like and why he got out of it. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I guess I wonder if you kind of become jaded to the fact that everybody wants your attention during the Olympic years, myself included, right? Like I, you're somebody that I want to talk to for a while, but I'm asking you on an Olympic year because you're going to the Olympics because it's right now. And it, the timing just felt good. So I guess, th does it bug you? Um, there's like, there's so many different ways that you can react to what's going on around you. And I think the most natural inclination when things seem unfair is to be bitter, you know? Right. And I, and I think that that's, that's kind of a common mentality among, you know, four year Olympic sport athletes is like, they're just a little bitter because nobody cares in the off years, but I don't know. I, I get it. I don't watch, you know, there, <laughs> there's, there's some summer sports that I don't watch except in Olympic years, you yeah. know, and like, I, I don't really pay attention to biathlon when it's not an Olympic year, right. but all of a sudden during the Olympics, somebody's wearing the stars and stripes and I'm like, yeah, shoot that target and then skate really hard. You know, like, <laughs> so I get it. Our sport is a niche sport. And if you, if you're not 
self-aware enough to recognize that as a half pipe skier then right. you're 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 probably just setting yourself up for a lot of bitterness and a lot of disappointment because not that many people are courageous enough to go ski up a 22 foot ice wall and do tricks and the reality is most people aren't that interested in something they at least can't do a little bit themselves so mm -hmm. it's a niche sport and now that it's an Olympic sport, it does only, it does get way more attention in the Olympic years. But instead of being bitter about that and saying, oh, it's unfair. Why doesn't anybody care during the Olympic year, during the non-Olympic years? I just kind of embrace it. I'm like, wow, these non-Olympic years are times for me to chill, spend more time hunting, spend more time with my family. And then in the Olympic years, I'll embrace it like I always have, take the attention and try to try. My goal is to try to get more people out skiing. I don't care if you want to ski a half pipe. But just go skiing, go get outside, spend a little less time in front of your screens. Hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I think everybody needs to do a little more of that. It's, yeah. And I also imagine like the money is probably better on an Olympic year than it is on a non-Olympic year too, right? Like, I mean, that's just the nature of it. Yeah, that's, and you have to just embrace it. You have to, And you have to be smart enough to recognize, okay, the money is better this year. It's not going to be like this next year. So you can't <laughs> spend it all and then be like, oh, wow, I thought some more contracts were going to come in. No, nobody cares. It's not an Olympic year, bro. Have you ever been that kind of person, like where you get that big contract and you're like, okay, I'm fucking, I'm buying what I want right now? No, I, I, I think I grew up, uh, I mean... <laughs> In the grand scheme of the world, we were rich, but I felt like we were poor because I was always using secondhand gear, um, right. boots that didn't quite fit. Um, and then when I, so when I turned 18 and told my old man, I wasn't going to let him pay for skiing anymore. Then it went to like a whole nother level of like, you know, just barely above the poverty line, trying to make it as a professional skier. So right. I think I spent too many lean years to really go crazy, but, but at the same time, I don't know, it sneaks up on you. You it's I've never <laughs> gone out. I've never like gone out and bought a boat or anything, but right. there are times when my wife and I look at our finances and we're like, holy, who spent $350 at Rayleigh's? What were you buying? You know, right. so it, it definitely finances definitely get away from you if you're not careful. Yeah. And I think that's part of being a professional athlete, too, is that like there's you get money and obviously skiing is in a different category than the comparison that I'm about to make, but I was listening to an interview with T.O. with Terrell Owens the other day, and he was talking about, like, I'm the cheapest motherfucker ever. Like, I would sleep in, I would sleep in the locker room. I would shower in the locker room. Like, I would save every penny I could because, like, if I get hurt and I don't have any money, like, I've been broke. I know what that feels like, right? Yeah. And it's kind of the same. Yeah, I, same I can idea relate. People. But the, the upside to having that mentality is that if all this stuff does go away at some point, I think I can live poor again and I'll be fine. You know, as long as I got right, my family with right. me and as long as as long as we've got a little hovel that we can hang out in with a fireplace, we're good. Yeah, I think I think society in general makes too much of a big deal about like having a ton of money. Right. Like and, and that like the idea of having so much it, to me, I think Biggie's right, dude. Like, I think it's just it's more shit to deal with. I think it's more problems, yep. the more money you have. Like and I every time I make a little bit of money, I'm like, OK. Ah, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not great at spending it. So it's not, I don't know. It's, it's always a, it's a different thing. And I think everybody has a different perspective on it, but it's kind of where I'm at. I think at this point. Yeah. I, I agree with Biggie. You just got to keep things, keep things simple as best you can. Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit here. How, how do you balance all of this? 
like this, there's a lot going on all the time. And it seems like, especially with the hunting side of things, like you're, you really are into that. How do you balance family time? Like you time, training time, sponsor time. Like you are in essence, a, a ski marketer, right? At the same time yeah. as being a professional athlete at the same time as being a very passionate hunter. And at the same time as being a dad and a husband, like there's a lot going on, dude. Like, so how do you balance all of those things and kind of check yourself? Yeah, that's a question I get asked all the time. And what I've kind of realized is that it's not like a, I don't make an effort to balance all those things, but um, there are certain things that are the balance for me. Like my family is the balance for me. My time mm -hmm. in the woods hunting is balance for me because I do, I get stressed out just like anybody else. I'm not a superhuman. Um, when I have too much attention on me, I'm, I'm naturally a complete introvert. Like you could, you could like lock me in a cell in solitary confinement and give me a couple books and I'd be fine. Like I, I, I really am a, like, a, I call it a recovering introvert because I don't really need attention and I don't, I'm not great about sharing everything that I'm doing because I'm just like, no, I was there living it. I was just experiencing it. I was just right. taking it all in. So when I get too much attention and too much pressure on me from the outside, I definitely get stressed out. But um, my family kind of reminds me what's important because right. I will get stressed out a bunch of, about a bunch of things. And then when I spend time with them, I'm like, oh, wait, none of that stuff matters that much. Right. Yeah, of course, I'm going to do the best I can with it. I'm going to say yes to what, as many interviews as I can. Um, I'm going to try to represent my sponsors well, represent the sport well, represent my country well. But at the end of the day, no one of those individual things matters all that much. And, but what I do for my family and with my family and how I treat them, you know, the quality of person that I can be as a husband and father is way more important. So it kind of that kind of gives me the freedom to, to let myself off the hook in terms of some of the other pressure. Mm -hmm. And then on the hunt, on the hunting side of things, I just need that solitude. And hunting is one of the things that gets it for me. Like I, I need to, I need some unfiltered time to just be alone and like not have my phone plinging in my pocket all the time hmm. and like have nothing to answer because that gives me time to think. And I'm just a, I'm a thoughtful, deep thinking person and I just need that time out there. So that is the balance for me. It's like, yeah, if, if, if I haven't gone hunting in a while, and I haven't had any solitude in a while, I probably am stressed out, but it's why, that's why I make it. That's why I kind of make that part of my regime. The same, the same way as I make going to the gym part of my schedule. It's like, no, there's, there's, I can't do any, any interviews during these times because I'm at the gym or I can't answer the phone call, the phone call right now, because sorry, I'm 12 miles into the backcountry. It's right. just part of what I do. Are you big scheduler? Like, are you like a, like I have to have everything in a line or else it doesn't work. No, I would say I'm somewhere on the fast and loose side of things in terms of scheduling. I definitely like to put things on there, but I also know it's just, my life has always been chaos. I've, I've been, I've, most of the cool opportunities that you have are things that come up last minute because sure. you got, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Oh, Hey, you're here. Let's go do this. Right. So 
I'm not like married to the schedule. I definitely, we have a running Google calendar, my wife and I, and things are always getting added and deleted and added again and all that stuff. So that, that's definitely a necessity, but I'm never too stressed out when I have to move things around. I was dying laughing, by the way, at that video of you like sitting there, like, I don't know if it's fake crying or real crying on your hunting page when your wife, when your wife is like, or you're saying, oh, my wife doesn't love me anymore. And she's like, I didn't say that. I said, you have to go to the eye. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And I thought that was, I had no idea that that was coming. <laughs> nice. I wasn't really crying. It was, it was a bit of a par it was a bit of a parody, but I appreciate that. I, am, that I imagine that joke. that was the case, but who knows, man? I don't know. People yeah. get pretty fucking intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when did you start getting into hunting? How did that happen? That's like a, you don't see that that much, I feel like, in winter sports, even though it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's one of the things that kind of is strange to me. And maybe it's because I grew up in Nevada. Um, but it's it's such a perfect crossover. Like everybody that I know lives in Idaho and one, Montana and Wyoming. All the backcountry skiers hunt in the fall. Right. It's like it's like the perfect thing. Yeah, you get you get into to touring shape by going and hiking around with a backpack on it's perfect um yeah. <clears throat> but it's just i think it's kind of one of those hereditary sports where if you didn't grow up with somebody who does it it's really hard to get into the barrier to entry is a little bit kind of intense most people who try to teach themselves out how to hunt will go out and not see anything for a long time and they're like well this is stupid i'm just hiking around mm -hmm. with a gun or i'm hiking around with a boat but uh i started hunting with my old man um, I think I started shooting birds when I was like eight years old. Like it's been oh, a part of my, it's, it's been a part of my life ever since I was a, a really small kid. I got to go out with my sisters who are four years older than me when they first, they put, they got deer tags when they were 12. So I tagged along with them. So I was eight then and, um, got to see my sister shoot her first buck. And I got to experience hunting, I guess, from the food side of things right away because we cleaned clean that deer up, put some steaks on the grill right back at home. And I was just like, whoa, this is cool. Like we mm. did it. We got one and now we get to eat this. And uh, wild game meat is the most high performance food you can eat. Uh, I've done like some crazy testing based on diet, trying out different different diets, all the fad diets. You know, I even tried vegan and vegetarian. Um, where I would do the diet for two weeks and then I would do some strength testing and performance testing based on it. And the wild game meat diet was like overwhelmingly, I was stronger. I was more alert. I was more reactive, all this crazy stuff. So, I mean, I was going to be a hunter anyways, but <laughs> that kind yeah. of gave, gave me the freedom to put a little bit more time investment into hunting because I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm investing in my ski career by procuring as much wild game meat as I can. So, I mean, I literally travel with wild game meat. I constantly put no on shit. little little cookouts for the team. You know, I'll cook elk or deer for, for the team, have everybody over and be like, all right, guys, it's game time. Let's let's eat a good meal before we go out there and compete. Oh, that's so cool. That's uh, that's awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's funny. It's got like a certain stigma to it. And I, I wonder if that's why like more people in skiing don't hunt but like i know i don't know I, i'm learning more and more people do it but it's it's fucking cool man like it's it's really cool it's really cool and it's yeah like you're in nature. yeah and and the 
I don't know, one of my things about it is it's an opportunity that very few people have. The fact that we live in America and we have this wild game management philosophy that they like the conservation is hunting mentality right. that we have because it was the hunters. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the vegans who started like the tag allocation system and the setup for figuring out how many, uh, mm. how many deer were able to shoot and all that stuff. Those, the, the vegans didn't come up with that. It was the hunters who said, Hey guys, we're overusing this resource. We need to limit the amount of these that we can kill so that we can continue to have them around for one thing, but also continue to hunt them into the future. So we have this amazing mm. opportunity. The public land, especially in the West is just like, it's, it's not available anywhere else on the globe. The fact that you can go to a trailhead, walk as far as you feel like and hunt. Like it's an amazing opportunity, just like it's an amazing opportunity that we have with backcountry skiing. Um, so skiing and snowboarding. So it's just, uh, I don't know. It's an, it's an opportunity. I think everybody should take more advantage of. And one of my things that I try to do on the hunting side of things is take at least two hunters a year that have never hunted before and just take them out. Because if you, if they go with somebody like me, who's an experienced hunter, their chances of success are like 1000% higher. And, um, that first successful hunt is is pretty important for like converting somebody into an actual hunter rather than somebody who tried hunting once right. so you know and and i i really do feel like i have a responsibility as a hunter to try to take care of hunting for the next generation my kids included um and and portray it in a positive light not go out there and kill a bunch of things that i'm not eating but but really kind of do it to feel the table style. Like we butcher our own meat, we make sausage, we make jerky. We, we kind of do the whole thing. Um, and I think that's an important way to portray hunting for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I fully agree. Um, I want to know, and I kind of hate this question, but I, I have to ask, this is your third one. <laughs> do you, have you thought about what's next after skiing? Right. And and the only reason I ask this is because when I was watching that video of your run, uh, you had Tom Wallish as like the, the guy on the mic. Right. And I interviewed Tom a few months ago and he was talking about how much he loves it, how much he enjoys it. And honestly, he's fucking good at it. Right. So yeah. have you thought about doing stuff like that? Like that's in the same vein as skiing, but it's not professional skiing itself. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a bunch of things that I want to do, um, on the skiing side of things that, that will be less time consuming. Well, they'll require me to go be away from the family for less time. Right. Um, I, I dream of, of a day when it's me and Wallace sitting in the booth announcing those big events. Um, be amazing. It, it would be perfect. So, I mean, at least I think so. I don't know what, Who's the, more I don't qualified than <laughs> I don't know what the powers that be will think about that. But I think that Wallace and I in there running the booth would be amazing. Um, so there's things like that that I want to do. I'm going to grow this Mental Giants program. Um, now, when I decide to hang up the half pipe skis and I have more time, because um, I got to I got to do some mental strength coaching for a BMX rider, um, a Olympic rower. And I realized that mental strength, just because I have mental toughness that I've learned through half pipe skiing, doesn't mean that it only applies to half pipe skiing. So right. after I hang up the half pipe skis, I'm going to do more of that because that's super rewarding. It's something that I can, you know, obviously get paid to do, but I also like, 
I don't know. It's, it's cool doing things that you don't feel like you're doing just for yourself. You know, like I would, I, my, my favorite thing about the mental giants program is that I, I pick athletes that remind me of myself at like age 19 or 20, or they have all the talent, all the skills, like everything is lined up. They have good equipment, but they just can't seem to land runs when it really counts. And I, mm. cause that, that was me. I was like from age 15 on, I remember every year I would watch Tanner and Simon in the X games. And I, I would be like, okay, I'm going to go do that run. And I could do their runs, but I wasn't even getting invited to X games at that age because I couldn't land contest runs in finals. I would just overpressure myself and crash. And mm -hmm. so I kind of pick, I pick athletes that are like that, where I'm like, man, if they just got a little bit more out of their own way, mentally, they're going to succeed. And it's been super fun because the few, the handful of athletes that I've coached so far have all, you know, not every single one of them is making the Olympic team, but they're all improving on last year. So it's been, it's been really rewarding. And that's, that's something that I feel like I'm just excited to do. You try to try to find things in your life that you're passionate about doing and for work and, and just go until you, until you pull it off. Um, I don't know, man, I, I have a lot of hustles. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm writing, I'm writing a couple different books right now. They're all like one third yeah. finished. Cause I get to the, I get to like the, the, what you would call a writer's plateau. I get to the writer's plateau and I just give up. Like I, I have an intro. I know what the ending is, but I have a hard time getting through this part in the middle. So I'm going to finish some books eventually. And obviously I'm going to spend a lot more time in the woods, um, kind of yeah. am, being, a, being an ambas ambassador for hunting in the same way that I've been an ambassador for so long for skiing. So you guys don't have to worry about me. I have plenty of things to do. When I, I, I don't think anybody thinks you're going to be bored, dog. Like I'm, I don't think I anybody's worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have anything as far as advice goes for like people who struggle to get out of their own way? Uh, is there like a quick thing that you can do? I mean, because that's the thing that so many people have, right? And in obviously not just in skiing, not just in sports in general. Sometimes, honestly, like I have a hard time getting out of my own way when I do these interviews. Like some days you're just like, yeah, I'm just not fucking here. Or you're like, I'm going to schedule 12 interviews in a day. And then by interview 10, you're like, why did I do that? And then you're like, what oh, was oh. I thinking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, here's a little here's a little tidbit from the Mental Giants program. Super easy that you can wrap. I think anybody can wrap their mind around this. Uh, I call it the, the need to versus get to mentality. Like when we tell ourselves we need to or we have to do something we're putting pressure on ourselves it's like me at you know take my third run at the olympics in pyeongchang for example i fell on my first two runs ski came off my foot didn't have any control over it you know i have one more opportunity to land this run and earlier an earlier version of myself would have told me you have to land this run because it's your last chance you need to land this run you need to land this run right now because you've been working for, towards this for four years. And if you don't land this run, then you don't get to see what this four years of effort would have led to or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, that's just a common thing to tell yourself. Or, you know, you're going into, say, you're, you're a high school student going into your final exam. I need to crush this final exam. Or you're a business person going into a big meeting. I need to crush this interview. Super common mentality. But that doesn't actually help you perform well, telling yourself you need to do it right now. Whether, you, whether you're pre prepared or not, you need to do it right now. But if you tell yourself, 
I get to do this. I get an opportunity to do this and I'm only as prepared as I am. I can't force myself in the moment right here, right now to be more prepared. So the person that I am gets to go do this opportunity. So for me, I drop into the half pipe. I do my third run. I land it. It's the best run of my life. They give me the highest score they've ever given me. I win a third gold medal. That was partly because I told myself I get one more shot at this. It's a best of three format. And I have the opportunity to do one more run. And I, they can't count me out yet because I still have one more opportunity. So just the need to versus get to mentality. Just remind yourself that everything that you do is an opportunity, not a necessity. Hmm. That's great. That's great advice. I mean, that's a, I've never framed it like that in my whole life. Every time I'm like, I need to get this interview done. I need to do this. I need to get skis mounted. I need to do this thing or that thing. And I guess you're right. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, and honestly, like, I feel like I end up getting to that point after I'm like burnt myself out and I'm, yep. and I'm over it. Then I'm like, fuck everything. And I'm all good. Whatever happens happens. Right. But yep. it takes that to get, I wish so many times that I had thought about it like this and I put myself in that mentality ahead of time. And then I'm sure everything would have been fine, you know? And honestly, yeah. most of the time, like most things that you're stressed about end up being fine anyway. <laughs> they end up being fine or not that important. <laughs> One exactly. Or the other. exactly. Um, last thing I want to ask you, and it's kind of a silly question, but it stems from, uh, I saw a few weeks ago, Eileen Gu uh, was running marker squires that only go up to an 11 den. Yeah. Um, so then I posed the question on the internet and obviously a million people are like, I'm a 14 or else I come out or I'm a 19 or else I come out or I'm a five, you know, what do you run for a den? Can you tell me that? Is that like allowed? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, for one thing, there's only one binding on the market that keeps my feet on my skis, at least in half pipe. Um, I've tried all the other ones and they just don't work. So I, I run the look pivot 18. Okay. It's usually set on 14 or 15, um, <laughs> in my, in my Olympic run in Pyeongchang, after my skis came off of their own accord on my first two runs, we turned them all the way up to 17. So you don't turn them all the way to 18 if they're an 18 din because that backs the screws all the way up against the wall or the, the springs all the way up against right. the wall. And you, you don't really want to do that. So pretty much the highest you can turn them on is 17. So those skis were not going to come off my feet on that third run, whether <laughs> I crashed or not. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good to hear. And for like, for people listening, I guess my point was when I was like, when I was talking about it, it was like, all right, Eileen is one of the fucking best right now. And she has no issue running an 11 din if she's running an, like 11 out of 11. And like, so there's no reason that everybody that comes in and is a hardo needs to be like 14. Cause you get it. I run a ski shop and in the ski shop, you get it all the time. It's like, Hey, can you put it at 14? The guy comes out to like a six, right. In like an intermediate yeah. level. And you're just like, dude, this is not how it you works. Don't, that's <laughs> not good for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's trying to get people to understand this more. So I'm trying to ask more people what their din is so that people may be. Yeah. I mean, okay. I would say that I would say nobody should probably run a din as high as I do. Cause I'm 195 pounds right. and I land, I land from sometimes as high as 23, 24 feet <laughs> right. on, on edge on like glare ice. Right. So, like that nobody's putting bindings through more trauma than I am. And I run them at 14. So you shouldn't be right. any, you probably shouldn't be anywhere close to that. Right. Right. That's, that's exactly my point. I'm uh, I hope people start to get that more and more, but we'll keep it. We'll keep it rolling. Um, yeah. Sounds good. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. I, I know you got another one to get to, so I will, uh, I'm going to let you get out of here. Um, where can people find you on social? Where can people follow along and where can people, I mean, I'm sure it'll be everywhere, but where can people watch you more? Where can people watch you this Olympics, um, follow along? Where's the best place? Yeah. The easiest stuff to where we're running the vlog over at YouTube. It's just Mr. David, youtube.com slash Mr. David wise. All of my socials are the same. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are all MR David wise. And then if you want to see more of the hunt farm lifestyle, the self-sustainable lifestyle stuff, you can check that out. It's at wise OTG. Sick. Amazing. Thank you, dude. Thanks man. Hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Uh, I cannot thank Todd Friedel and David enough. I mean, without these people, the show doesn't happen. Um, the show has grown substantially over the last year and I, uh, I, I'm really proud of the thing that we've created and I'm also really proud of everyone on the network. And, but most of all, I'm like, I'm really thankful for everybody that listens and I'm really thankful for the people that consistently come on the show. Like it's, uh, you know, it's media's heart. Like doing media is hard. It's kind of annoying. And sometimes like I'm not always on it. So dealing with me is, uh, is, uh, sometimes difficult. So I appreciate everybody that comes on the show, spends the time with me and I appreciate all of you for listening. We'll be back next week with another probably triple header because we have a million episodes going on right now. Um, that's going to be the theme going forward is we're going to have two, three guests on a week on this show. Um, just so everybody kind of can be like, get what they want out of every episode, right? Like the longer episode format I think is great, but let me know, uh, hit me up, Adam at outofpodcast.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think of the show lately. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, help us grow this thing. We, uh, we're having a good time and I want to do this forever. So let us, and let us know how we can improve. I'm super receptive to feedback. One time, some guy on the internet told me that I said like too many times. I said, I think his words were, uh, you say like as much as a 13 year old girl. And I was like, nice, cool, but it helps you get better. It helps you remove that kind of shit out of your vocabulary. Um, and you don't use it as much because if this was last year, I would have said like 40 times just talking about the word like, 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 um, see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye.